Welcome, rock warriors, zombie queens, and everyone in between, to Stories to Dismember, a podcast where your hosts Aaron, Lindsay, and Miguel recap their horror film pick of the week based on a monthly theme. Don't be frightened by the vampy magnetism of my voice. I'm just putting it on for this intro. I normally sound like this. The boys and I discuss, aka dismember horror films together, but we do it in a more wholesome and silly fashion. Now, you will listen to stories to dismember. You will comment, rate, and subscribe. Hypnotism over. Enjoy the podcast. I'm weirdly nervous because uh, I missed the last recording we did, and it was the very first recording I've ever missed, the very first one. So even though it was just a week, I feel sort of out of sorts. But I feel good now. Helping us celebrate the month of Halloween is a returning guest. This guest amassed a large following online with his insider knowledge of Hollywood and his very clear passion for movies, particularly horror. They are witty. They are refreshing with their look of horror through a queer and leftist lens. And this guest is always such a pleasure to talk to. We welcome back our friend Oz. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. We're so glad to to have you back. We adore you. We really do. We were so excited to have you back. Yay. Well, likewise, likewise, it's fun to be back. I mean, it's funny. I did have quite a large following, but that's that's well, gone. I actually like not having a large following. I mean, way you, more. you you can't, you <laughs> technically nicer. still do. It's just on an old account before TikTok sort of arbitrarily or mistakenly like punished you. Yes. So you started yes. a new account, but even still, you have so many admirers. We are just three well, of your mini admirers I have pals. of your pals. You're three of my pals, exactly. Yeah. It's I, I'm not comfortable with the <laughs> idea that my hyperfixation on film, mm. you know, in any way deserves admiration. I mean, it's literally just the way I disassociate <laughs> <laughs> absorbing absorbing what I can about the media I love. Well, there's lots of people who are fans of the medium, but you have such an articulate way of speaking and you're so passionate and you have so much insight and you're so charming. It's, it's impossible not to adore you. So I, all right, moving on. on. Um, so we are going to discuss with you. This was your pick Nightbreed from 1990 written and directed by Clive Barker based on a book he wrote. Is that right? Yes. That is correct. Right. A novella. Mm. So why did you choose this Which film? is like a short novel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why did I choose Nightbreed? Nightbreed is, I saw it in the theater in 1995. Mm. I was 15 years old. And there was a TV trailer. And the early 90s, late 80s were the era of The Voice trailers. So you'd have in a world yes. like that kind of thing yes. but the early version yeah. the early version of it which was this. much more vaguely <laughs> and so there were these shots of some young man and woman like running through a graveyard and uh, shots of like a hand tapping on frosted glass 
and a strange cemetery and this guy with a creepy mask, like, you know, quick cuts, can't mm-hmm. really tell what's going on, or right. at least I couldn't back then. And the, the voice guy is going, you know, Debbie and Boone were lovers, <laughs> but what they didn't know was he was called to Midian where the night breed are or something like mm. that. You know, it was, it was very, very inaccurate depiction of the movie, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it absolutely got my attention. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Why is there a dude? Who's the other dude? Who's the lady? What's that thing? <laughs> is that a porcupine woman? <laughs> you know. And yeah. so I went and saw it in the theater, and it was at like the creepy theater, like near downtown. And this is in Washington D.C. So it was the creepy theater that's just, uh, <laughs> I think it's just east of, or yeah, just east of Georgetown, uh, which is right by the the Rock and Roll uh, Baskin Robbins. It was the punk rock Baskin Robbins where both Ian MacKay and uh, Henry Rollins worked at the same time at one point. Um, Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat and Henry Rollins, obviously, of many things fame. But yeah, I went and saw it by myself. Theater was essentially empty. I might have been the only person there. And I fell in love. Like the movie just absolutely captivated me Mm. and pulled me in. And I don't know why. I still don't know why. You know, I I would not defend it as a great piece of cinema because I I don't know if it is. But I do think it's a great piece of queer cinema. And Mm. I do think it's a great piece of transitional horror. Uh, from the sort of 80s into what was to come. And since Barker is such a influential figure in horror and well-deserved, you know, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a movie that I can talk about. And I think that it is very monstrous. I don't know. You can edit that down. That that was incoherent. No, no, but. no, no. I see what you're saying, though. Like, it definitely grabs at you. Um, when this was my first time watching it, or rather, this is the first time I'd even heard of it. And when you first start watching it, and it shows Nightbreed across the screen, like you just see the the shapes of the letters spelling out Nightbreed, and it shows little yeah. clips or images of the various monsters you see inside. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like tiny little glimpses of this world and it is intriguing. It's just enough to, to get you really fascinated and want to know more. Mm -hmm. So I totally, I totally get what you're saying. I imagine that when this was new, it would be even more interesting and fascinating because I mean, so much time has passed since then. Like you can liken yes. it, you can liken it to Cirque du Soleil, or um, I mean, I could see that actually, yeah, yeah. But back then, this would have well, been I mean, even back more. Then, it isn't like it really found an audience. It it didn't do well in the box office. Uh, the reviews were not kind, but it it had a certain je ne sais quoi that 
absolutely found a cult audience and it has become one of those sort of culty movies. Mm. And I mean, of course, the, the theatrical release is miles different from any version that you can find streaming now. There's the cabal cut. There's the director's print. You know, it's it's almost at a Blade Runner level of, well, which version did I watch? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and for better or for worse, what I find fascinating about it is tone and execution. Like aside. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on with the storytelling. Mm. And I think that it is definitely one of those movies that celebrates found family, that celebrates outsider status. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's definitely an A-cab movie. I mean, there's there's no question about mm. that. Um, Nightbreed says A-cab. I mean, the closest thing to a... Uh, I guess to a decent human we have is, is the one inspector, but that's a, that's another story. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating movie to me because I don't think it fully succeeds as a film. I'm not like, this is, this is a great movie. It it, it has warts, big, big, weird, gross. warts. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them even have lines. But <laughs> but it is a fascinating movie. I mean, look at Clive Barker. I mean, he's directed three films. And the first one is inarguably an iconic, like, 80s horror film and has spawned a massive, massive franchise, you know, with Hellraiser. It is not a perfect movie, but it is very well directed and very beautifully realized in its weirdness. Mm. And then there was Nightbreed, which was where Clive was trying to do, according to him, he wanted to make Star Wars, but for monsters. He wanted to make a world so populated by strangeness that the strangeness sort of became normal and normal became ugly. Right. Did he succeed? I, no, I don't. I don't think he did. I think he overreached. You know, I think that he flew too close to the sun. <laughs> I think that he was saddled with budgets and with special effects constraints, and you know, it it it's a mess. But there is something about this movie. It's a beautiful mess that I just go back to every so often because it's a beautiful mess. Well, I love that whole uh, summarization of it. Maybe this is a good opportunity for Miguel to start the whole dissection or dismemberment yeah. of the whole film. And we can... If one would. <laughs> and then yeah. we can pitch in with our own thoughts. Yeah. So, yeah, it starts with the title, Nightbreed, with a bunch of different shots that aren't in a movie i think i think there's oh yeah that's a fair point (laughs) it's cool shots like we see some of these characters later (laughs) but we don't see them in those exact yeah clive barker's nightbreed i know that name he he did a lot of stuff uh and then you get a bunch of like cave painting type stuff which you know later we see it's like prophecies and stuff which is pretty cool i like that i always like the idea of a prophecy i don't know it's just fun yeah and then we get a long intro 
long intro. I had to double speed that. I up. immediately of... recognized the music as Denny Elfman, which is so oh, yeah. fitting I was gonna for say, this. Yeah, I got... yeah. Yeah. You got David Cronenberg and Denny Elfman and Clive Barker all in one film. That's pretty cool. That's pretty it cool. It surely is. It's what happens when a bunch of weirdos get together. They make something beautifully <laughs> weird. Yeah. A beautifully mm-hmm. weird child. Yeah, mostly weird. Yeah, and you see monsters. They just show them up front. They don't really care about, you know, they don't care to hide it. It's just straight up monsters being chased by something. You see a bunch of monsters running to a gate, which we later find out is called. I thought they were chasing after something. Were they being pursued by something? No. That's Mm. what it looked like to me. Because then they all go inside. And you see a sexy porcupine monster there, which that's pretty cool, I guess. And then you see this guy wake up, whose name is Aaron. Terrible. <laughs> Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. They call him Played Boone. by Craig Schaefer. They call him by his last name. Who does he think he is? Bond or something? That's Boone. crazy. Aaron I called him Boom, I called him on, Aaron bro. throughout my notes. I called him Aaron. And then halfway yeah. through I realized, wait. I'm the only one calling him that. Everybody else is calling him Boone. Even <laughs> his girlfriend. Boone. Why am I being so formal? You're like his mother. My mom's yes. always calls me Aaron. Everybody else calls me Boone. <laughs> me too. That's what I, I wrote. I wrote down Aaron the whole time. I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah, I think Dr. Deckard is the only person who refers to him by his oh. first name. When Boone first yeah. goes into his office, and then I think yeah. the name is used by the police inspector, and the doctor, but in a sort of formal capacity. Mm. No one's speaking to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's whatever. Just find it funny. And, uh, and you see his girlfriend, Lori. And then they discuss about, you know, how about we go to someplace, maybe Calgary, which is very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, to get away from everything. I don't know. Wait, they say where this movie takes place? I don't think they do. Well, I think we just hear it in Canada, Canada, right? Canada, because Calgary, Sheerneck, all of the locations yeah. that are listed, this is real stuff in, you know, uh, the sort of near the Athabasca River. So this is basically cowboy country. This is Canada's version oh, wow. of Texas. Mm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Yeah, that makes sense later. Yes. We'll see what happens. Howdy, eh? <laughs> yes, it does. Howdy, <laughs> What's that all about, y'all? <laughs> so yeah, they discuss that, and then um, they discuss Decker, which is Decker is Boone's psychotherapist, I guess. And uh, Lori is like, "Hey, maybe he can help you with the dreams. Uh, no more bad dreams." And he's like, "Ah, it's not that bad anyway. That's how he- <laughs> I don't want to go to no doctor. That's where that's where people die, but not this doctor. That's where people go crazy." Yeah, so he doesn't think he's crazy, but, you know, that's what it is. Then he gets a call from Decker. He's played by David Cronenberg. (laughs) And, by the way, his partner's uh, played by Ann Bobby. I'm sorry, I just like to pay respect to these people. Only the main people, though. (laughs) Yeah, the ones who made money. Oh, my gosh. They're the only ones important. Yeah, so (laughs) Decker immediately, you know, he's the bad guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There's no... There's no hiding it. It's just the way he looks immediately is like, oh, I mean, okay, it, this it's, guy's, it's this subtle guy's until he says, well, we'll see. We'll see. Until he talks. Until he says something very <laughs> blatant. Yeah, Decker calls uh, Aaron. He's like, hey, 
tomorrow immediately get your ass over here <laughs> yeah i need to i need to get paid but uh no he's like uh, are you doing good and aaron's like yep and he's like all right we haven't seen you in four months so that's not good come yeah by tomorrow. And he just actually that that was okay, the fr- that was I the guess. big red flag because a therapist yeah. if you if you tell a therapist i'm doing fine i don't think i need to see you they shouldn't be insisting that heavily come see me <laughs> It's a little strange. It is. Yep, and, he, and he's like, "All right, let's get it going." Even though Decker's like, "I mean, Aaron's like, no," and Decker's like, "Up oh, tomorrow." All right, tomorrow. Then. Cool. And, and we then see Decker alone in his office. Yes, thank you. Opens a briefcase, yes. and and what did he say? He says, "God help us." You remember both. what he says? <laughs> That's never good. That's never, <laughs> never good. That. <laughs> That's never a good situation. Yeah, so Decker's up to something, if you haven't caught on. And he has those cold, cold eyes. Cold, cold, cold eyes. eyes. Cronenburgundian eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of an, of an author. He, he cut to a family. We don't really get to know him that much. And uh, the mom sees the, her little kid up at the top of the stairs, and the kid's like, oh, I heard something, you know. You heard the bad man, which is something you never want to hear your kids no. say. The bad man. And mom's just, ah, whatever, just go to bed. I'll be up there in a minute. Right. And she goes to get goes to get something from the fridge, closes the fridge door, and she is attacked by a guy in a mask, a cool-looking mask. How would you describe it? That's pretty cool-looking. Good Halloween costume. It's a great mask. It's it a is. creepy, creepy mask. I couldn't decide if it looked more like fabric, like burlap, or flesh. And maybe yeah. it's meant to be ambiguous, but it also has button eyes yeah. and a slit for yeah, the mouth. Yeah, and a zipper for the mouth. Yeah. The button eyes and the zipper for the mouth are what push it into the next kind of level for me, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's yeah. just, it's a very iconic look. Yes. Yeah. I like that the zipper isn't like even with the mouth, it's like to no, the side. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty cool. Welcome to (laughs) Costume Critique. (laughs) Well, but it definitely gives you the impression that it is homemade, that whoever is behind this grim visage, Mm -hmm. you know, threw it together themselves. Yes. Yeah, with the black coat. They didn't go to the killer mask Mm -hmm. shop to buy it. It's a good shop. It's a good shop. Yeah. Real killers don't get. You know, like the very detailed, hyper-realistic horror movie masks. They get the homemade, no. rustic, you know, hand-sewn yeah. things. From like Walmart or Home That's Depot. That's how you know a <laughs> real killer. Store. From a fake one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the masked dude goes up behind the dad and slits his throat, as you do, you know. You always had to have one throat slit, at least. And then... He he sees the little kid up top of the stairs, and he just goes up to the top of the stairs. And I guess we assume little kid's dead now. Yeah, little kid didn't even try to run away or anything. He was sh- stood still, shooken. Shooken. That he, child was yeah. shooken. I, I was fascinated. Yeah. I'm always I'm always like hyper hyper aware of a child's performance in a film, and I appreciated that they had tears streaming down his face, but. He didn't yeah. make a sound, and his eyes didn't widen at any point. 
upon seeing the bad man. So this isn't this isn't about the little kid at all. I just had to point out. <laughs> See, I always liked his lack of response because to me that mm. felt like, well, sure, he already knew that uh, the bad man was coming. Yeah. He told his mom, he I mean, he I'm scared. And the mom and I, I actually really like the limited uh, that we see them. I like that couple. Mm-hmm. I love that they yeah. are giggling together. Oh, yeah. You know, they're the teasing each other. He's he's like, but I like being fat and I, I'm comfortable. Yeah. So, you know, basically it is they're pretty obvious family. to me. Yeah, they're a happy family and that he is teasing her to go, please make a snack, you know, and she's going in like, yeah, fuck <laughs> it. I'm going to make some hash browns or whatever, because they're having fun. They're watching hockey together. You know, it's it's they're a nice they're a very likable family. In retrospect, and... the little kid, his eyes not widening and just like staring dead on with mm-hmm. tears streaming down his face. It does make it seem like he expected this to happen. He sort of knew this yeah. was going to happen and he's accepting this fate. That is how I read it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was a catastrophizer as a kid. I mean, I still am. But so that I just always kind of assume, well, the worst possible thing is going to happen. And and now it know, is. Now you're witnessing and it. And now it is. Yep. Here comes the bad man. Knew it. Well, that makes it way heavier than when I <laughs> initially watched this. Wow. <laughs> That would be a funny little line at the end if the kid just said, told you. He <laughs> called it. Oh, God. I don't know if Points I would consider it funny. We've got to giggle. Back at Aaron. Aaron's working at a place. At manly a, place. A He's manly all greased place up. Where they yeah. make sparky things yes. and metal. Yeah. Hey, welding pays well. Meanwhile, yes. it's a metal factory. That's why they call it welding. Yes. <laughs> I know I did I regretted that throwing tomatoes at <laughs> that was beautiful <laughs> and then we we got Aaron or fucking what's his name Boone, Boone. whatever Boone. Boone at his job Laurie arrives and they kiss for like oh 10 yeah minutes. they make out <laughs> that's all I wrote I'm like oh god okay dude are you just gonna do it right here? That's crazy. Is but this no, a they don't do it. Right movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it is. Yeah, it is. I truly, I do not consider myself a prude, and I like participating in these kinds of activities. But for some reason, I get so horribly embarrassed when I see this in a film. Particular, not all films. But usually it's the 80s and early 90s films that make me embarrassed to see these it's kinds of scenes. It just depends on the, yeah. Depends on how just heavy the length it of is. Time. I just feel like I'm eavesdropping. I feel like, what is it? Like you're a voyeur? I guess so. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I sh- maybe I should give you guys some space. I'll, uh, I'll tune out for a little bit and let you guys do your thing. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I I got the idea after the first ten seconds. I don't need another whole minute of it. That's fine. That's uh, I just need let's get this movie going. Yeah, it's the length of it. I think I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So they talk about something. I forget because it was just a long. <laughs> I guess something. Oh, uh, Lori's like, uh, come meet me at the club, and we can do stuff afterwards. You know what it is, and. <laughs> 
Boone is like, all right. And we get to Deckers, who's a psychotherapist, in case you forgot. And Boone's there, and he's like, I'm fine. And they're talking about his dreams. Midian, monsters, place where all your sins are forgiven. Very specific kind of dreams. It's crazy stuff. Aaron doesn't believe his dreams are real, but Decker's like, but your dreams might not be real, but you know what is real? Murder. Murder. (laughs) Murder. Murder. Got him. Got him. Checkmate. It's one for the good guys. What a reveal. Yeah. (laughs) Murder. Yeah. And Decker's like, two days ago, police brought me photographs. Do any of your patients know about this? That's very specific. Uh, And Decker shows him the photographs. He's probably the only psychotherapist in that part of (laughs) Canada. Yeah. Yeah, He's like, want to see him? You want to see him? Yeah. (laughs) No confidentiality at all. (laughs) Yeah. How did this conversation happen? Yeah, Decker shows him the photos, and it's there. Do the, all the details from Aaron's descriptions from his dreams and from the murders before they happened. Six families killed in ten months. That's a good record. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yes, we're all very proud of of the killer. Yeah. <laughs> That's like uh, one. I can't do math. Decker <laughs> gives Aaron pills. Twenty four. That's like one every two and a half months. That's pretty good. Twenty four. Hours to go. Uh oh, I want to be sedated. Aaron doesn't, but Decker gives some pills to be, I guess. And the Decker's like, "You have twenty-four hours to go to the police and tell them the truth." Why, bro? <laughs> I'm not going to the police. You tell him. Get out of here. I mean, he definitely seems to believe him, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, Aaron accepts. Yeah. Him. <laughs> Aaron says, "Oh God, I did this." Even though I would be like, "No, I didn't. I didn't." <laughs> I, I mean, the doctor that, offers to show him the tapes or let him listen, but he refuses. Yeah, that shit's boring. No. Well, I think, I'm not gonna I think listen the idea to tapes. of listening to his own like psychotic confessions yeah. when he was having an episode, Yeah, you know, uh, since he's doing better when we first mm-hmm. see him and he doesn't think he needs to be back in therapy and his doctor's like uh, you you describe these bodies mm-hmm. buddy here let me yeah. let me remind you and it's like no man i thought those were my weird fucking like yeah you know but uh, he also thoughts. he also seems fearful about like getting to yes. the real truth or the the perceived truth what he's being told is the truth which yes. is fair but nevertheless he is told He's committed many murders yeah. and he's given Murder. medication. He doesn't does he he doesn't even say what the medication's for. No. He's nope, just he like says, take, take this. these, they'll help. They'll help. Yeah. And now presumably, I think we can presume that Boone has yeah. been prescribed medication by Dr. Decker before. You know, that they, they yeah. do seem to have a relationship yeah. going back. And psychiatrists do prescribe medication so you know i think it's pretty easy to just read that poor boone has had psychotic breaks in the past mm-hmm. been given lithium etc and uh that you know, that's what he's afraid of he's afraid <laughs> of having a psychotic break mm. yeah and then he gets back home and he has a psychotic break. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he starts burning a bunch of stuff like papers, letters, his passport too. It's, uh, it's crazy. And he imagines himself and Laurie having sex. Don't you just hate that? Which That's seems to crazy. disturb him quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he makes a lot of faces. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh that's crazy the the film technique the double exposure is really cool like when it's portraying his vision as being all blurred as mm. he sees himself and laurie being intimate on the bed it's very cool and then you get the danny elfman like whimsical music it just works sort of really carnival well music. yeah it's trippy yeah, yeah i uh, I will get back to that after we've gone through the uh, the movie because there's actually some interesting yeah. inside baseball there. Mm. Boone goes, takes a shower, he has to calm himself. Then we see Laurie at the club singing a song for Johnny a while. Johnny be angry. Yeah. yeah. She sings the whole song pretty much. I, damn, I'm convinced... Bro. I haven't done any research whatsoever. I'm convinced that she got this role because she had a good singing voice and they were like, we need to work this in somehow. It has no <laughs> relevance to the plot whatsoever. She, do hey. she does have a good singing voice, but oh, yeah. it and wasn't Bobby needed. Can, can belt. Yeah. She can belt. She can belt. She also went on to uh, co-star on the short-lived infamous series Cop Rock. Oh my god, that's crazy. The Aaron Spelling <laughs> produced not. musical police procedural what? procedural that's awesome. that lasted one season. One se yeah. I don't think it even awesome. lasted a full season. I think it got canceled no. like halfway through. Two episodes. But she was <laughs> she was like the young rookie cop and had a lot of singing to do because she's a damn good singer. Yeah. And she did a lot of stage before this. Mm. A lot of stage stuff. Which Clive Barker also did. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Cop rock, man. That's crazy. <laughs> that's I need crazy. To look this up later. Bring yeah. it back. Well, you never know. The I masses mean, are craving. This was supposed to be an epic trilogy, so it might have came back around in the next films if they were ever made. That's true. That's this true. was meant to be a trilogy? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was meant to be a trilogy per se. I think that that was probably part of how he sold it to Morgan Creek or to whomever mm -hmm. the money people were. But right. he didn't have like sequels mapped out. This wasn't a, right. uh, you know, I mean, I guess in that way it was like Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't have a plan. Just like make this one and hope for the best. The novella starts and ends not dissimilarly to the movie so it's not like there was a ton of source material remaining i need to read right. this i need to read this it's a pretty quick read it's a fun one too and it was my introduction to mr barker because the movie hit me so hard as a kid as a mm. 15 year old little wide-eyed weirdo <laughs> that um yeah i think you know it, anyway we'll continue <laughs> yes well, we still have two minutes of her singing to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny singing. Be Angry is a neat song. It was a yeah. minor hit in the early 60s. Um, you know, it's a torch song. And yeah. it was sort of reclaimed and became a very popular song in the underground gay scene. 
in New York City. So that was like a song that the sort of nightclub singers would sing, and it was very beloved by the gay men who secretly congregated in these places. This is so cool to learn. See, Mm. this is why we love you. These are such cool tidbits. (laughs) Yeah. And then Boone arrives, and he's all messed up, though. <laughs> yeah, he only stays with pretty high, yep, pretty high on that good, good psychiatrist Medical stuff. Elevated, uh, as know. we say on the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he leaves because he's all messed up. And Lori sees him leave, and she's like, "Where'd he go?" And she calls him, and he's like, "Hey, what happened?" What happened? You can just come meet me because that's what we agreed to do. You dummy. <laughs> then we see Boone wandering around the streets as you do when you're elevated, <laughs> when you're high. And he almost gets hit by a huge truck and then light flashes and he's in a field and light flashes and he's with doctors. Don't you just hate that? And then they're like, you're high, bro. You were given some hallucinogens. So that's what Decker gave him. Something to get. They say it's a lab-grown psychedelic. Know, psychedelics. Lab-grade. Lab-grade, lab-grade psychedelic. psychedelic. Yeah. So, yeah, this is at the hospital. As we, I guess he didn't get hit by the truck. Or he did, and everything we see after this well, is all, they, it's all they fake. They say that it was like a miracle he survived what he did, which makes me think he did get hit by the truck. But he he doesn't. He only has scratches on him, I think. Yeah. Uh, movie he magic, was movie dead magic. The whole time. Movie magic, yeah. movie magic. So yeah, so he wakes up at a hospital bed. Here's another patient there talking about Midian. So that's pretty cool. Boone's like, you know, you know about Midian? He's like, yeah. And he's like, you know where it is? And it's like, yeah, it's where the monsters go to take away your pain. They forgive you there. And the patient's like, oh, they sent you to take me there, right? To Boone. He's like, yeah, he's he's not doing great. And then the patient just tells him where Midian is after Boone asks. Can I nicely. just say, like right off the bat, <laughs> yeah. this this patient was so fascinating to me. He reminded me of mm. uh, Renfield from Dracula. Just oh, yeah. this like obsessed. Yes, yes. Hugh Corshi plays Narcissi mm. or Narcisse. Nice. And um, is a pretty wonderful performance. It's it's very yeah. flamboyant. Yeah. It's very rambunctious. One track. It's a really mind. neat performance. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so so Narcisse here tells Boone where Midian is. Oh God, all these names, bruh. Bruh. It's like a D and D. It's like it's like D and D. Yeah, bruh. <laughs> bruh. East of Dwyer, uh, south of Athabasca, north yeah. of the Powder River. And like, it's this weird, uh, the way that he repeats it to mm. Boone, where it, it, yeah. it feels very ritualistic. Yeah. Very, very like he is chanting his holy mantra, you know? Because he's obsessed. This is, he's obsessed. This is all he's yeah. interested in. And we know that Aaron knows about Midian, and this guy knows yeah. about Midian. Mm-hmm. And there's that line Deckard has earlier where Boone's like, yeah, but none of this mythology, you know, I, I don't, you know, all this stuff's just stuff I overheard in different institutions. Mm-hmm. And Deckard goes, yes, and you incorporated it into your own, own private mythology. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I have honestly loved for 
well, ever since I first saw the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just such a perfect description of the way that some people find their spot or they find the things that they need, whether it's conspiracy theories mm-hmm. or drugs or alcohol or sex or, you know, whatever their self comfort. If think it, it feeds sort of into their, their biases, they're already. Yeah. Formed. And mm-hmm. their biases and also into their, into their feelings of, of safety of, Oh yeah. Well, I just, you know, I'm just going to go grab dinner at the drive-in and, you know, drive through and go home. Like that, that can be part of your own personal routine. Right. And so having a place, especially for a kid who's grown up in the system, we know this from what we overhear the, the doctor saying, you know, Boone had this private mythology, this personal belief that there was somewhere he could go called Midian mm-hmm. and he'd be forgiven for all of his sins. And clearly he's scared or has been scared that he has committed violence in the past. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Deckard has confirmed this like horror to him after he's thought he'd fought those urges. He'd overcome the psychosis. He didn't have these imaginary, you know, bloodlusts anymore. But it, and now he's finding out that he's a monster. Yeah. And it it's sort of difficult to to understand at first whether he has decided to embrace what he determines is like this monster inside of himself or if he's Mm -hmm. if he's just going along with this just to do his own investigation i mean i think it's the former but it's not very clear in the beginning i I think it's the former too i think that he and no i don't know if that was a a writing mistake a performance thing i mean craig schaefer is fine but like you know he's not doing anything like amazing he's not <laughs> he ain't reinventing yeah. the wheel out there. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of bland. He has like a dollar store Rob Lowe energy. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, pretty That's, good, That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Pretty... And maybe you can just blame the writing because it's not, it's just not very clear. Yeah. What his and maybe, motives are. Maybe. Clive didn't intend it to be. Maybe yeah. Barker was like, Keeping well, you know, it's really important is that we just get the story going mm-hmm. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. That's how it is. Narcisse. It's a good name. So, yeah, so he tells him where uh, Midian is and uh, Narcisse is like, oh, but I have to show you my real face. And he has these little two thumb blades, which are pretty cool. I like them. I like two little blades and you put your on your thumb like sharp that's pretty mm. cool i should get me some of those oh my god you should definitely um, get some of those yeah so he he's gonna show him his true face which means he's <laughs> cuts himself oh my gosh he cuts into his flesh he goes right face at and it. pulls out flesh and hair and flesh and looks pretty sick yeah i mean that's he basically pretty, pretty tries to skin himself yeah yeah skin his skull face his face and Crazy. his scalp crazy stuff here and he's crazy, and crazy. he's screaming as he does it it's very disturbing yeah. 
But yeah, so Aaron, uh, fucking Boone just skedaddles out of there. He's like, yeah, I'm gone. Yikes. But he sees Decker. <laughs> he sees Decker across the hall. But he runs it. Good. Thank God he isn't an idiot. He didn't stay around. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm gone. And he leaves. And Decker tells the inspector who showed up. He knows Boone. He knows how he manipulates. So now we know, okay, something's happening here. Decker's misinformation agent. I mean, Decker's being the by. manipulator here. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, Decker goes and talks to Narcisse privately. Crazy stuff. <laughs> exactly. Boom follows the directions uh, and goes to Midian, which is just like a graveyard. That's all it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looks pretty cool. I mean, cool graveyard. It looks cool. Cool graveyard. It looks cool. A lot of stone statues and stuff like it that. It made me nostalgic because I got proposed to in a graveyard. Aww. Oh, well. Yeah. You're so goth. <laughs> oh, my goth. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I'm on my way to being goth. I'm not going to deny it. It's steadily getting there. Yeah. See him drive in a car like a cool guy. It's a good thing they didn't give him a, they, uh, they didn't give him a bike. That would have been too much for this guy. Would have been too cool. <laughs> <laughs> He yeah, definitely looks the urge. like he should have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fought the urge, but no. <laughs> Go the whole 100%. You know, Stratton, um, he likened him to the vampire killer in Vampires. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, uh, yeah. James John Carpenter. Woods. Yes. Yeah, Jack yeah. Crow. <laughs> but I, such a cool guy. I was a little yeah. I was a little defensive of Boone. I was like, I don't think anybody could quite match that character. Hell yeah. No, hell yeah. Jack Crow's too cool. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. I came to Boone's defense. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I see a little a bit of what Stratton's saying, but I don't think it's quite that bad. No, well he's not walking around giving weird monologues about mahogany. <laughs> yeah. Jack and this Crow. guy is actually tortured. He's a tortured soul. Hell yeah. Yeah. Jack Crow's Jack. just a prick. <laughs> Hell yeah. Who gets off on killing vampires like a little too much. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's his one personality trait, really. What a weird movie that was. I love it. Great like, no movie. wonder John Carpenter kind of gave up after that. <laughs> He was probably like, well, shit, maybe this was a bad idea. Yeah. Oh. Hell, hell no. I love that it was, movie. It was, it was fun in some ways, but. Um, oh, I have I a. Love it. Look, I saw it multiple times. I mean, I, I have a soft spot for it, but I'm yeah. not going to defend it. Oh, I just, yeah. You know. Totally. I'm, yeah, I'm right there I with love you. It. <laughs> well, My dad and I love that movie. You're our little a... edgelord, Miguelito. I mean, you know, we got to <laughs> yeah, have yeah. someone who's going to. Who's gonna be like, yeah, man? Actually, I actually like how the vampires are like just killing. I just like the way the vampires are in that movie. I think you like like the opening scene, Miguel. I think you actually agreed with me. The what? I think you're. I think you were in agreement with me about that character in that film. Oh yeah, yeah. He's (laughs) he's a one note character. Yeah, I love him for that. Who thought? I love him for that. He had too much self awareness, thinking he was very cool. Yeah. That's why I like them. I like the way it is. I like yeah. exactly the way it is. Yeah, I was going to say, it's okay if you give yeah. it a reason, but if you don't explain it. Yeah, yeah. Which actually no, see, ties into this film. Yeah. yeah. 
oh, were we talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I just defend it so much because I just like the idea so much that I like, damn, bro, I wish I wish somebody else could just take, get a hold right of it. right there idea. with you, bud. I yeah, really am. Yeah. So it is what it is, though. Oh, well. At least that opening scene, I love. I love that opening yes, scene. Yes, the opening the, scene where they, is magnificent. When they go into the house. Yeah, that's awesome. It's magnificent. And I'm probably going to watch it after we're done talking about Nightbreed. Me too. <laughs> that opening scene is amazing. All right. That's enough of that, though. Yes. Enough we, you, have to, John we have Carpenter. to talk about Nightbreed yeah. so that I can make ribs. <laughs> exactly. I'm taking you know, the time. All right, John Carpenter. People have talked about you enough. You've made enough money. Yeah, right, you grumpy old fart. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Anyway, Boone falls asleep in the graveyard like an emo kid, and then he gets. Uh, even though he's he's not even emo, I wouldn't. Even, he's a cool guy. I describe him as cool. He's got a leather jacket. I mean, that's that his kind entire character. Is he's cool. Yeah. cool? His entire character is the leather jacket. That's his personality. Yep. Yeah, leather jacket and yeah. a white t-shirt. Yeah. Hell yeah, James Dean over here, oh, and very. he. Yeah, and uh, he gets woken up by a dog, and that dog belongs to. I don't know any of these monsters' names. Onaka. Sorry, I just gonna. His Onaka. name is Ohnaka, okay. and he oh. is played by Simon Bradley, who was previously seen as one of the Cenobites in Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Damn, that skinny little twink with all of his tattoos and Jesus. his sweet little puppy. Um, nice. Was Butterball was the, uh, the that's the dog's the... name? No, 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 no. the The dog doesn't have a name. No, Butterball is the name given to one of the Cenobites from the original Hellraiser, uh, who yeah. has these creepy little glasses sort of smushed into its flesh, and it's sort of this corpulent, sweaty thing. It's 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 fat phobic. So you know, nice one, Clive. But it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> woken up by a dog, and Aaron Old freaks Boston out. Terrier. Yeah, he's a germaphobe. And he freaks he... out. <laughs> he's covered <laughs> in like filth and <laughs> iodine, and he's like, "Oh God, dog germs!" Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he hears noises, and he's caught by two other monsters. One with a weird shaped head, and one that looks like a devil, which I don't remember their names. Oh, the Peliquin. Peliquin has the sort of flesh dreadlocks. Yes. And uh, Kinski. Okay. Kinski is the name of the Mac the Knife, uh, Mac Tonight guy. Now, y'all are probably too young to remember, but there was a series of McDonald's commercials in the late <gasps> 80s called Mac Tonight. Yeah. Where a strange figure with a head like a crescent, crescent moon. moon. Yeah sings jazz standards about McDonald's and was played by Doug Jones. Who of oh, course man. is Shit. Guillermo del Toro's like go to muse. I don't know if I knew this or not. This this makes sense in my head, but I don't know if I knew this. Clive Barker wrote a piece of flash fiction about how Kinski was a poet in Paris and fell in love and so went to a witch to get a love potion to give to the person that he desired, but accidentally drank some of it himself and staring into the, the river. How did he saw, do this? Well, you know, he was French and saw, <laughs> saw the reflection of the moon over his face in the river 
and was overwhelmed with the moon's beauty and went to sleep and woke up looking as he does in the movie. And that, what? you know, cast out by, by all of the Nightbreed have backstories. Barker wrote a fucking book called the Nightbreed, uh, like companion or the Nightbreed Chronicle mm. that is a glossy magazine with single page entries about various members of the breed next to a nice glossy uh, photo of the performers in their makeup and often with some of Barker's own sketches, because, you know, he's an artist, of the character. Well, I'm going to have to buy this too. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I got it way back when and I still have it. That's so cool. I still have it. Pretty cool. So, yeah, the Peliquin. Peliquin. He's like... Um, I'm going to eat you now. All right, cool. No, uh, no, he's like, I can smell you. You're meat. That's very not subtle. And you can tell he's like the meanest of mm-hmm. the monsters because he cusses a lot. Yes, he does cuss a lot. He says, fuck the law. Fuck the law. Wow. And then, of course, the line that is beloved <laughs> by weirdos all over. Everything's true. God is an astronaut. Oz is over the rainbow and Midian is where the monsters are. Like, that's a pretty fucking great line, Clive. It's very Parker. good, yeah. And Oliver Parker, yeah. who plays Peliquin, who was also one of Parker's like go to guys to slap in some makeup, mm. had small parts in both Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2. But uh, Peliquin was mm. my dude. I like kind of wanted to be Peliquin yeah. in my youth. I mean, Peliquin just goes for it. <laughs> the guy just fully embraces this role. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, he yeah. is having fun being a monster. That is the guy where there is no, like, angst. There's mm-hmm. no... No. He's like, fuck it. I'm a monster. I'm a rebel. I'm an outsider. <laughs> Relish me. Yeah. Drink it in, man. Yeah. Uh, he's like... Uh, so, that. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oz is real. That's pretty cool. I mean, Midian is where I the mean, monsters are. I mean, we're talking are. to him right now. Yeah, he's like... Yeah, I mean, he says he says that line, and, well, yeah, Midian is where the monsters are. So, yeah, I guess God is an astronaut and Oz is real. Maybe that would be explored in the trilogy, but, you know, it is what it is. So, Boone is like, I've killed 15 people, bruh. What would you think of that? Huh? Who told and you he, that? Yeah, he's like, no, you didn't, idiot. <laughs> He's like, no, you didn't, dummy. He's it's, like, it's the I can line that you. I love. It's the yeah. who told yeah. you that is what yeah. he yeah, asked yeah. him. Yeah. Because, of course, Boone immediately is like, wait, what? Like, wait, what do you mean yeah. who told me that? But Peliquin says, because he lied, asshole. Mm-hmm. I can smell yeah. innocence at mm-hmm. 50 yards and you haven't killed anybody. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. And that's where you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> what is this dude? 50 yards that's pretty that's pretty good distance and then it just like reaffirms your suspicions of the doctor this uh this doctor is no good Mm -hmm. he lied yeah he's a bad bad man a psychotherapist oh got him boo no uh he uh (laughs) peliquin is like um i'm gonna take off my coat now your meat for the beast, and he transforms into 
even more of a monster, I guess. <laughs> he's already right, a monster. Like, he's already monstrous, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I when mean, Pelican's feeling it. I feel like Miguel will know this pretty well. Mm-hmm. So in Dragon Ball Z, when they go from, oh, Saiyan to Super oh, Saiyan. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's like that, oh, yeah. but in monster form. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went, yeah, say from base form to Super Saiyan. Only a little bit of his aesthetic changed. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a Pokemon evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pelequin has has morphed into Super Pelequin. Yeah, exactly. All for the love of meat. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, been there, like, <laughs> done that. uh, It just raises so many questions. I didn't have these questions until now, but he is so consumed by the idea of getting into this this natural. He calls him a natural. The hunger. Yeah, Mm. his meat. Pelican has the hunger. He is he is all id, consume, fuck, take, be. You know, like there's there's no subtlety to Pelican. Yeah, his instincts no. take over. But it does make you wonder, yeah. like, what do these monsters normally feed on? Because this seems like a rarity. This seems like yeah. a that treat. is something that has bothered me for years. Because, <laughs> yeah, wait, so are they all cannibals or just Pelequin? And as we will learn later, another person. Mm-hmm. At one point later, we see a different Nightbreed eating what appears to be a body, maybe. Mm. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, what are you doing, Clive Barker? Clive Barker's like, well, I don't know. I had a second unit director. You know, I mean, who, who can say? Yeah. Who can say? Not me. Well, we'll put a pin in it. No. It may never yeah. get an answer. That, was, that was in Hellraiser, Lindsay. Oh, damn. <laughs> Sorry, my turn. Who this Boo. man? Who this I love man? It. Yeah. So Pelequin transforms and then chomps on Boone's meat. Just a little uh, bite. He it. Tear. Like, <laughs> yeah. he gets in there to the muscle and shit. Yeah. yeah he's gobbling on it. And in <laughs> Boone fights him off. He puts his punches. Um, yes. He just starts throwing <laughs> down. He just starts throwing hands. Like, all right, I'm fighting monsters. Fuck it. Yeah. And he does a good job. Yeah. He gets him off of him. Damn, bro. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. He just fought off two monsters with his bare hands. That's I mean, I imagine insane. the adrenaline yeah. Yeah. of having your shoulder muscle gnawed on mm-hmm. by someone who's cosplaying as Graveyard Predator. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he makes a run for it, Boone does, and Pelequin's after him and the other monster is. And we see a little bit of the below the monsters below. pounding on the walls. The drummer. Yeah. The drummer. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like That's that. That's all he does. Uh, that gets you hyped. Yep, he just that drums. It's how he speaks. It's like, yeah, it's like that uh, guitar player from the Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, like, that's yes. All he does is play guitar. Like the Doof yeah. Warrior, exactly. Yeah. It's all he does, just to hype everybody up. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Hell yeah. Aaron, right, do you identify so. with this? <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Aaron used hell to be yeah. a drummer. Oh, former yeah. life, yeah. In a past life. And we see uh, Boone's wound. It's a pretty good bite, man. <laughs> Not going to lie. It's a pretty good one. Looks all messed up here. Boone's wound would be yeah. a great band name. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. And then one of the the moon face guy helps Boone get away. He's like, get out of here, bro. Pelican's going crazy. 
and Boone Boone runs away. I like I liked the Moonface yeah. guy. Like we barely yeah. meet him or know him, and I don't know. He seemed cool. Yeah. So so Boone Boone gets out of there. Gets out of the gate of hell. No, gate uh, gate, and uh, he's looking around, looking around. Tall grass. Very tall grass. Very tall grass. I noticed that. It's like, damn, he can't see anything in front of him. Damn, that's pretty crazy. And you see the cops show up. Inspector shows up. Decker's there, too. And Decker's like, ah, Boone, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, it's going to be okay. He's like, I told him everything. And Boone's like, oh, man, the monsters are here. That's crazy. Yeah, you believe me? And Decker's like, yeah, I believe you, Boone. And he's Immediately. Like, <laughs> Immediately, he's like, he's got a gun. He's coming right at me. Turned American for a second. He's like, <laughs> you got a gun. And the police shoot the shit out of Boone. <laughs> no mercy. Oh, like 100 just... rounds in him. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy. He's like, God damn, bro. He dead. I'm like, he's dead. Boone's dead. Yep. Inspector here. Here's some sounds from the Great Barrier. He's like, the Inspector's like, where's the gun? And Decker's like, oh, he reached into his jacket. Uh-oh. He's like, all right, dude. Get out of here, man. And we see Boone dead. Well, It's like, well, what can it. you do? What can you do? The end. It's a weird movie, <laughs> that's but... A, uh, <laughs> weird short film this was. <laughs> kind of downbeat. <laughs> At this point, I didn't realize what... You know, obviously, I never watched the movie. I didn't realize what, what was going to happen. I was like, oh, shit, they went for it. They killed their main character very quickly. That's pretty cool. I wonder what's, what's going to happen next. Do we get another main Do we follow Laurie or something? But we'll see what happens. I mean, so, yes, you do. Yeah, you do. But then, you know, so, yeah, we'll see what, but I do like that. I do I do like that. But, yeah, so Laurie sees and verifies the dead body. He's like, yep. That's, that's him, all right. <laughs> Looking... Pretty good for a dead body, honestly. Looking pretty good. They can't even tell he got shot a hundred times. Well, they're very clean movie wounds, you know, the bullet holes. If they rolled them over, it would have been a different story. (laughs) You know, all the exit wounds would have just been really gnarly. You can see the the body going to autopsy. uh, uh, Inspector and Decker interrogating Laurie. What do you know? No, they're very calm about it. They're very Uh, chill. yeah, very chill. They're not Batman. If it was Batman, he would have punched her in the <laughs> face. <laughs> what do you know? And she's like, uh, my boyfriend's dead. So yeah, we see. He's like, what do they ask, Lori? They're like, what was the nature of your relationship? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we were lovers. Very... Yeah, and uh, we see more of autopsy. And these guys doing the autopsy are just joking around. Yeah. <laughs> They weren't Just taking any crazy. chances with this guy, were they? Yeah, that was. No. Did you funny. Did you notice when they were wheeling Boone into the morgue? There was one in the cabinets mm-hmm. and said "highly infectious" on it. Yeah. Oh damn. <laughs> no, I didn't. Zombie. Crazy. I mean, who crazy can stuff. say Canadian zombies? It could happen. Yeah. And then the autopsy dudes are like, "We can go for a break," and the guy is like, "Sweet dreams." He's like, "That's pretty <laughs> ironic." and a little more talking with Laurie and then she asks like uh, where did he even go and he's in there like Midian he's like alright dude where yeah, where did he die he's like what was the name of the town and they're like Midian that's a pretty cool name though Midian it is it's pretty sick it name. really sticks in your cool. head and then we see 
Boone's dead body and he's like gets magic coursing through his wound or something. That's the only way I can describe it. it like looks electricity like blue magic. Electricity. You know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then his body starts moving, crazy stuff. And then they go back into the room and see clattering and the window crashes and the body's not there anymore. And they see a window what the? crashed open. And everybody yeah. hears it. Ah. Uh, yeah. And this is crazy stuff. How do you even explain that? That's insane. <laughs> well, and we find out sure. that the cops are convinced somebody stole the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very quickly. And then, like, didn't didn't seem like the first floor. Had to jump out mm-hmm. of the window. It's crazy stuff. Anyway, cut to Lori packing her suitcase. And then she sees the spirit of Boone by the window. It's like Ghost. It's like that movie Ghost. Remember that movie Ghost? It's a good one. <laughs> Patrick Swayze and then we see Decker is in his office listening to the tape he's like he's like this is boring and slams it at the no he's, he gets angry and he sla- he throws it at the at the wall and he destroys it yeah very so he, he's got issues strange reaction yeah. he's listening to the tapes uh, yeah. where he recorded his and Aaron's conversations yeah. and he just gets pissed like clearly well, he also has a table with a couple thousand dollars worth of very large knives on it. Yeah. In his weird oh, yeah. bubble fountain room with a dissected head statue <sighs> behind where he sits. And listening to the tape, Boone is explaining that in Midian, even though he's dead, mm-hmm. he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Death mm-hmm. isn't the end. Yeah. That's what triggers Deckard's fury because Deckard feels very strongly that death should be permanent at least like for this person he has an agenda and it's not working out the way he'd planned yeah (laughs) what a negative nancy dicker is dicker he's not a fun guy Uh, yeah debbie downer over here (laughs) yeah dicker dicker (laughs) yeah and his name his name ain't richard if you know he's a he's a real dick not richard but Uh, dick yeah Anyway, Laurie drives out to the wherever. <laughs> Not because Midian's just a graveyard, but uh, what was the little town she? Sheerneck. Sheerneck. Yeah, so she stops at a bar. And, and what uh, a bar! She has, and what a bar! She she gets a draft beer, and then she's like, uh, "You know where Midian is?" To the bartender. <laughs> mm-hmm. You always have to talk to the bartender. Yeah, you got they it. always yeah. know everything. They're like an encyclopedia. She's like, you know where Midian is? And he's like, yep, I'm trying to go there. And everybody else is to all the news the people. News crew. And all the TV news folk passing through. Because that's where they nab that baby killer. Yeah. She says, what? What? Yeah. What? It took 30 shots to bag that sucker. Mm-hmm. They really do talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in the bathroom crying. She meets... What's her name? Sherry Ann? Sherry. Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl Ann. That's a name. Uh, I like Cheryl Ann. She's Cheryl. Cheryl's awesome. She's trying to, uh, you know, just cheer Lori up, you know. It's like, Can I just yeah, say, just I love yeah. this so much. Like, anytime I go into a women's restroom and I spark up a conversation with someone else, a complete stranger... It's always lovely like this. It makes me so, so happy. Yeah, it it is a very uniquely, I think, feminine 
sort of <laughs> experience sequence, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's really kind of telling presumably Barker, you know, listened to his female friends telling him, <laughs> you know, Oh yeah, we're always chatting up in the bathroom Absolutely. and you know, if the girl's crying, you become yes. her best friend all of a sudden. Yes. And, and it's, it's neat. It's neat to see it. And yeah. these two girls just hit it off. And, and Lori's like, do you want a drink? I could use a drink. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> immediately best friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they just keep talking they get, you know, spark up a conversation. You just cut to later. Blory's pretty much told her everything that happened, you know, so Cheryl Ann knows. Previously on Nightbreed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just skip skip that whole, you don't need the whole recap, you know, and skip, skip in the middle of the conversation. Lori wants to see where he was when he died. I don't know, say goodbye or something. I don't know, you know how it is. Closure. Yeah, closure. And Cheryl Ann's like, well, I'm not doing anything tomorrow, so I can... You know, Laurie, Laurie gets a companion in her quest here. Her new BFF. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so Laurie's like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. And Cheryl Ann's like, oh, I'm going to stay and see what happens. Maybe one of these jerks here wins the lottery. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty good. And then uh, somebody sent her a drink, as you do, as other people do. Uh, I never do that. I'm not going to, you know cost a lot i don't think i've ever sent a drink to somebody <laughs> except for once in sundance where i bought a drink for amy sedaris whoa awesome we knew each other that's pretty cool and she didn't yeah, know i was cool. there and so yeah. i saw her and i was like oh that's amy i'll send her a drink and that's then she cool. sent my table a drink which was like okay show off but, uh, <laughs> yeah very cool lady very funny woman sidebar sorry sorry no i love it cheryl ann Cheryl Ann's being awesome. Yeah. And she gets a drink from a stranger and she's like, ah, isn't he just a picture of sophistication? We don't see who it is, but you know it is. Yeah. And we cut back to Midian over here, back in the underground, the below. We see Boone and Narcisse with this half scalp. They're just talking. It's just like, (laughs) I like this. I like Narcisse is like, complete change of demeanor <laughs> yeah. from before we he's, saw him he's, now he's, he's all chill now yeah yeah, yeah. Now he's, all happy. he's where he wanted he's to be a cool cowboy hat and, yeah. duster. <laughs> and he's like yeah bro it's like just you know getting getting into a club you know you're gonna swore you in you know that's pretty cool you know it's, it's like this initiation you're part of the family yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Boone goes all up in there with his leather jacket, but no shirt underneath. So, you know, that's pretty sick. Oh, I don't remember he's that. He's like, yeah. He's yeah, like, so that we can see his bullet wounds. Lost yeah. the shirt somehow. Got it. <laughs> yeah, he lost the shirt. But he got the jacket back. Yeah, <laughs> That yeah, was way yeah, more yeah. important. <laughs> well, I'm sure the, the shirt got cut off him at the, at uh, the morgue. True. True, it would have been true. stuck to his body. Mm-hmm. And we see the morgue attendant yeah. hold up his jacket with all the bullet holes in it and say, Jesus, they weren't mm-hmm. taking any chances mm-hmm. with this one. So mm-hmm. we've established his jacket and no shirt. Yeah. It's mostly intact. Yeah, yeah, the jacket's mostly intact. <laughs> I am a night yeah. breed apologist. <laughs> I like how they, they put they put that detail in, but a lot of other stuff isn't as <laughs> we got to make sure we know where the jacket is at all times oh, my yes. god that's a exactly it's what the people are paying for <laughs> yeah so yeah so he gets uh, sworn into this family brotherhood club whatever you monster club monster club 
Yeah. It's just a monster club. club. Yeah. It's just a club I hit monsters with. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I cannot remember any names. What's the head guy? Lilesburg. Lilesburg. He puts his hand into a little thing, a steaming hot something. Makes his hand glow gold. And he puts his hand on Boone's chest. It's like he's baptizing so that's him, pretty cool. except it's very yeah. burning. Like the liquid is boiling, <laughs> and then Lylesburg yeah. puts his hand in. It doesn't seem to bother him, but then when he puts his hand on Boone's chest, that's when it sort yeah. of sears him. And it almost brands him, but we don't see it. It's yeah. like an invisible brand. Yeah. Yeah, it fades. Yeah. Hell yeah, so he's Nightbreed now. You're That's night pretty cool. Now. The tribes of the moon embrace you. That's pretty cool. And Narcisse, his new buddy, says, you're wonderful afterwards. Yeah, I like That's that. Very you're cute. wonderful. Yeah, kind yeah. of wholesome. Yeah, yeah. Not Narcisse a word I would <laughs> use to describe Narcisse. But yeah. <laughs> no, but... Weirdly wholesome. Back at... Uh... The bar next next morning, we see Cheryl Ann hungover, <laughs> or you know, what is this concoction? They put two. Uh, oh, it's a hangover cure, I rod. think. Ew, yep. I would never drink that. Raw That's eggs gross. and bourbon and a splash of soda. Yeah, that's how it is. Lori and, uh, and Cheryl Ann. Yeah. I have to say her whole name. Cheryl. Yeah. Her name is Cheryl Ann. It is not Cheryl. Yeah, it is Cheryl fair. Ann. Cheryl Ann. That is such a name, isn't it? Uh, so they meet up and they're like, all right, we're going to go now. <laughs> anyway, cut to them as Midian. <laughs> it's just a graveyard. It's only a model. A model. <laughs> Sorry, model. it was uh, Monty Python line. Mm. Um, oh, oh, right. It's yeah. only a model. And, and Midian is a mostly model. a model or a yeah, matte yeah. painting even with the first time we see it. It's a matte painting. and um, Yeah. They never shot any of the Midian stuff outdoors. It was all done on a soundstage. Oh, wow. In England. It's all a soundstage? Mm-hmm. All the Midian stuff. Even, even the outdoor stuff? <laughs> yeah. Like when they, that's pretty good. I think when he's outside the cemetery gates, I think that that was mm. shot somewhere in Canada. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But inside, yeah. But when, mm-hmm. when, whenever he's inside the walls of the cemetery... They couldn't find a cemetery that was wide enough for them to shoot in. Mm-hmm. The right, sort of yeah. avenues between the stones um, were too narrow. And he was specifically, Barker was inspired visually by Highgate Cemetery in London. And he felt like, well, that's what I want, but it needs to be overgrown. And we can't afford to do that because mm-hmm. we are a low budget movie. And London will not let us. So it was cheaper to just build a set. A bunch of big foam pieces. Makes sense. Yeah. So Laurie goes inside. Cheryl Ann waits outside, you know, listening to music. Some country. I don't don't remember what song (laughs) she was listening to. but Okay, so that's uh, actually a funny thing that I'm going to have to tell. Yeah. So the song that is playing both in the roadhouse where they get drunk Mm -hmm. and... In the car, as Cheryl Ann is smoking, and then later when Laurie comes to look for Cheryl Ann, the same song is playing, and then it also plays over the end credits. And it is a song called Country Skin, which was the last track on the official soundtrack CD. And 
what country skin is is a yallified version of skin by oingo boingo which oh, was danny elfman's band wow. and this is done as a like country ballad if you peel away the skin oh how cool if you peel away the skin <laughs> you know like that and of course hey it's a song about having a real face underneath your fake face and mm-hmm. yeah that does sound relevant to this movie that's so fitting yeah mm-hmm. heck that's really good i'm yeah. here for you guys i'm here for you <laughs> yeah so cheryl ann waiting outside the gates by a tree and then a car pulls up and she's like curtis because before I'd, i forgot to say she she said she met the guy she met was called curtis oh yes so yeah and he's a gentleman yeah and a lawyer and a, and recently divorced <laughs> and a lawyer yeah. Hey. And most and of wow. all. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks she's wow. wonderful, just like us, because yeah. we all love Cheryl That's Ann. true. That's yeah. true. And uh, we see Curtis pull up, and who is Curtis? Fuck! Oh, no, it's David Cronenberg. Maybe he's playing brothers. Maybe Curtis <laughs> is Dr. Decker's nicer brother. No? Oh, damn. No, no, it's no. Decker. It's Dang. Decker. He's not a, a good person. No. He's a... I mean, when we first meet Cheryl, I think we all secretly suspected she would not be long for this world, but we'll get into it. What? No, I thought she was going to be. What kind of cynical monster do you take me for, madam? Gosh, if there was a world in which Cheryl could continue to live, I would have loved that. But yeah. there was an insane plot twist, and Cheryl Ann is like the secret hero of that. That would have right. been sick. Hell yeah. Right. Uh, She's she, the chosen she, one. Yeah. You that are no longer sick. Cheryl. You are now Cabal. Yes. That would have been sick. <laughs> See, more movies have to do that. They do. More stories. More Cheryls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Cheryl's just a girl who's just trying to have a little fun. She's a completely <laughs> humanized character. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the movie does not slut shame her for looking Mm -hmm. for a good time in a shitty bar i mean yes she does get fridged but like that feels more because it is a horror film absolutely not because clive barker is saying look at this nasty little slut person right it's it's not a it's not a commentary on this archetype she's filling it's more uh, a way for us to fall in love with this character and just like pull the rug out from under us she's just so guileless she's so just a nice person and you're like okay yeah i've met that woman in small town bars and she's a cool lady who's bored you know and like that's those are cool people too and i think that barker is actually really kind of humanistic in Mm. his treatment of both laurie and cheryl ann they they Mm -hmm. both are given a lot more if not necessarily depth on the page, character moments where the actors are really allowed to lean into the moment, to to be in the moment, you know, not just to say the expository line that is Mm -hmm. important for the male character's development. Like, like they're allowed to breathe. The characters are Mm -hmm. allowed to feel lived in. And especially for horror films of that era of the eighties, that, that was not like, super common and you know yeah the the female characters in this like 
all of the female characters we see, well, actually, maybe there's an exception, but most of the female characters we see in this <laughs> aren't like hmm. gratuitous. There's actually some depth to them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we see Laurie in states of undress, whether in, in Boone's fantasies or in reality, like just it's never done in a lascivious manner. It's never shot like, look at how sexy she is. Yeah. It's just, here's a woman who's in her bra. And it's about her intimacy and her love for this other it's person. It's about her intimacy with Boone or the lack of intimacy in her relationship with Boone, you know, yeah. which is a. A different uh, aspect of this we can get into when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So inside Mi Midian, Laurie sees a little monster creature on the floor looking gross. <gasps> she has a name. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Babette. Babette. Monster. Babette. Calling Babette a gross little thing. <laughs> She's like just a, melted a sweet e. little girl yeah. who likes to play in the sun. Yeah. Right, except she doesn't well, appear this way when we first see her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we see her and uh, and then another woman. Rachel? I I swear to God, Rachel? I thought this was a trap. Yeah. I thought this was a trap. Well, it feels Dude. like one. It feels like exactly. Yeah. Please yeah, bring Rachel. her to me. Yeah, I am, Rachel asking. How do you yeah, say like her? vampire? <laughs> 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 I don't know where that action's from, but yeah, yeah it's very vampire. I, I mean, I, I think it is meant to be a Romani traveler accent, um, whom we used to refer to by the G slur. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure the actress is from Eastern Europe. And mm. uh, I think that the uh, that that's sort of meant to be like, and again, what are the Romani people but outcast by, yeah. by European and Indian and subcontinental, yes, yes. Um, you know, culture. Like, and so it ties into this whole outsider thing that mm. I've mentioned well, once or twice. Yeah. So, Laurie, yeah, Laurie gives, uh, well, Babette to Rachel. And then once inside, you know, it does feel like a trap, but, you know, it's fine, though. Babette transforms back into her humanoid other form, which is like a little girl. Mm -hmm. Little Victorian yeah yeah like street urchin kid yeah in like a white nightgown all like hello mommy it is yeah. interesting in quote-unquote monster form like in the daylight the monster form is not even capable of standing on all four legs or anything it's it's very mm -hmm. helpless and writhing around like completely yeah. weak and unable to fend for itself but, I mean, yeah. you have to have Lori, like, come over to the monster side somehow and do them a favor. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. Yes. So Rachel couldn't walk out into the sunlight to get her? Uh, get her? Some of them are unable the to go in the sun. But, but later. But later. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Station, well, movie magic, movie goes. magic. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> I mean, I think Shut yeah, raised that point later me. on, too. Yeah. 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 I just noticed that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Rachel's all like, thank you. But after seeing this, Lori doesn't even, Lori's you know, like, all right, fuck, whatever. You just throw that to the side. Is Boone here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Boone she's, here? she's very much like, like, oh, I did you guys a favor. Like, once she realizes that they're <laughs> thankful 
and appreciative of her saving this child. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. well, now that I've done this favor. Um, give me my husband. Give me yeah. my boom. Give me my boom. Did you take his body? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we can't help you. That's the law. That's the oh, law. That's the law. That's so convenient. So convenient. It's the law. Also, another weird law they have is like, well, you saved her. Do you want her? That's the law too. <laughs> you right. can have her if you want. <laughs> a little, but right. That's a weird one. One life for another. It's the law. <laughs> you law, get the impression but... that that gets said a lot around the, uh, yeah. the table in Midian. Well, what if we yeah. just went and got some beer? We're not allowed to go get beer. Why not? It's the law. It's the law. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, don't talk about us to anybody. That'll bring dire consequences. And Lori's like, is that a threat? She's like, is that a th- you threatening me? You threatening me, bro? Not he's for like, us. No, it's, a, it's, for, it's not for you, for not us. For, you, for, us. for us. Yeah, and that, of course, is Doug Bradley as yeah. Lylesburg. Doug Bradley, most famous for playing Pinhead in oh, wow. many, 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 many Hellraiser movies. Wow. When yeah. Nightbreed was originally released in the U.S. theaters, a much shorter version of Nightbreed than what you guys have watched, there mm. were a lot of really major changes made. And one of the big ones was Morgan Creek Entertainment decided that they needed to dub over Doug Bradley's voice. Oh, wow. Clive Barker said, why? Doug yeah. gives a wonderful performance. They said, yes, but he sounds like that guy from Hellraiser. Oh, my gosh. And... Clive's like, well, that's because it's Doug. Yeah. Bradley. <laughs> like he's he's he plays Doc he plays Lylesburg. And they were like, Oh, well, no, we don't want people to think he sounds like Pinhead, because then they're gonna expect Pinhead. And Clive Barker's like, Are <sighs> you insane? You know, like how wait, what? Why are you can I don't know, it's it is a weird call. Yeah, and so silly. in the in the original American theatrical release Larsberg speaks like this. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you must come away. You know, like with this sort of like thick European accent, mm-hmm. uh, which again, adding to the kind of outcast, you know, unwanted people, mm-hmm. the Jews of Europe, the Romani, you know, it, it, it really starts to play into this sort of um, outcast thing. Mm. Damn. But it is it is very convenient that the, that Babette, this uh, child monster that Lori just saved, happens to be Lylesburg's daughter. I presume. I always uh, figured that Rachel just you know Babette was her sort of ward mm-hmm. figure. Yeah. Uh, I believe that, uh, and again, this is from the uh, the deep lore. But I believe oh. that Barker always intended for the families to not be. Oh. Linked necessarily right, by right, blood. right, not biological. These are these are found families. Oh. You know, Babette was that probably so a lost, better. strange thing that when the breed found her or Rachel found her, Rachel mm-hmm. felt this degree of needing to be the caretaker, and mm-hmm. so you know that's her kid, mm. even if it's yeah. not her kid. And right. Lylesburg, I think, was just coming up to find out what all the hubbub was. You know, he's Got the it. boss, and he's he's yeah. like. Rachel, where the fuck's your kid at? And she's like, oh, fuck. You know, yeah. she's outside. And sure enough. And uh, he's like, yeah, we can't help you. He's like, "What? what's below remains below. Yeah. That is the law. <laughs> he says that, that again. Is the, that is the law. That is the way. 
And Laurie's like, uh, I'm looking for Aaron. <laughs> she says it. A Boone, Aaron Boone. Do you understand me, bro? That's what I'm looking for. Just tell me, where is he? God dang, bro. You took his body, didn't you, you creepo? And they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like, don't like being talked to that way. They're like, yeah. no, we... Okay, yeah. clearly, Lori, you're a little mad. You're using your outdoor voice. We're mm-hmm. going to give you some time to cool off before we continue this conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We don't have yeah. to deal with this. And so they just leave below. And, uh, and Lori just follows them down there. It's like, all right, dude. Sometimes you just have to take things She's into like, your own hands. I still hands. need to redeem that favor. Yeah. Yeah. If you want something done favor. right, <laughs> yeah. If you want something done right, do it yourself. But she gets jump scared by. Two monsters. One of them is what was the guy's name? The red one, Pelican. Pelican <laughs> I keep remembering Pelican. So Pelican, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "She's mine." Another natural, huh? But uh, he lets her go. You can read into that, I guess. And then she leaves. Is that when he says, "Y'all come back now"? You hear? Yep. Yeah, y'all come back now. You hear? That made me laugh. <laughs> that got me. <laughs> he laughs. That was silly. Yeah, it's a good laugh, too. It's a great, great villain laugh. <laughs> yeah. And straight cut to Laurie walking and like, Cheryl, we're leaving. <laughs> Cheryl, we're going. Gotta get out of here. She's like power walking some came through up. the grass. Yeah. yeah. I always like that in movies. It's like, uh, some crazy happens yeah. and cut to, we're done right, here. Uh, I'm going. I'm, uh, that's enough of that. But sadly, Cheryl Ann's not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, Laurie gets up into the car and she sees blood on the window and everything all strewn about. And she's like, Cheryl, oh, that's never good. No. Once you see that, it's like, oh, yeah, they're dead. Uh-oh. So, yeah. So, she's looking for the body. She finds the body. And it's all messed up. It's like um, next to a tree, like a knife I in the back. I think it was like. I believe. In her back. In her hand. To I believe crazy. She, yeah, she was pinned to the tree like he was going to skin her, like Ugh. someone would pin a deer. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Justice for Cheryl. <laughs> Laurie's like, oh, that's not good. And then all of a sudden, well, now we know the masked man comes up, you know, right in front of her and puts a knife to her stomach. And it's like, Laurie, in a soft ass voice. And she's like, how do you know me? And he's like, oh, that's a good question. And just takes his mask off and it's Decker. You know, it's like, and crazy, we're all, all like, right. no shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all right, dude, obviously you don't care. But I guess he thought he was going to kill her right there. So him showing her his face didn't matter. But. Well, yeah, Still, now he's going to have fun. He's going to toy with her a bit. Yeah, yeah. He's probably never yeah. killed someone who knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's kind of a big turn on for creepy, creepy Dr. Deckard. Yeah, and he's like, Boone's alive, and your death's going to make him come, come out, out of hiding. hiding. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty true, actually, if you follow the logic there, but he just and he wasn't fast enough you know but we'll see yeah, what the, the math is yeah. wrong but it does come to the right conclusion anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so laurie runs back into midian <laughs> there's back a lot of that midian. a lot of a lot of running out and into midian a lot of that hey, see man, the drummer monster if i was allowed in i'd go in a lot you know just yeah. to say hey yeah so he's like uh the drummer monster a lot of different monsters cool designs laurie trips <laughs> as you do when chased by a serial killer in a horror movie and uh so yeah deckard chasing her 
it's very goofy, but you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, it's a slasher film and it's, yeah. it's done like a slasher film sequence. Yeah. And I mean, he is a slasher villain. Yeah. Basically. But Literally. He's, but yeah. he's in a, you know, in a different movie. Yeah. A monster movie. That's part much, of what yeah. I love about it is that it's like, yeah. and by the way, we have this like slasher, you know, this wannabe 80s slasher yeah. in this monster movie. Boone wants to go help her, but all the monsters holding him back is like, I'm not going to let her die. And he's like, well, you made an oath, so it is what it is, buddy. It's Obey the, the law. law. <laughs> but, you know, Deckard after goes still after Laurie, which, you know, is what it is. Laurie trips again. God dang. Deckard pins her down. And Boone's like, I love her. And they're like, no, she's a natural. She can't love you. Not now. Boone's like, it's I don't care. And again, fights yeah, again fights off a room of monsters trying to stop. <laughs> yeah, including a really big guy. Yeah, really big guy. So we're like, wow, okay. Gotcha. Boone's kind of a badass, I guess. Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't you just, just made him like a amateur like boxer or something to make him <laughs> No, he's a, he's a man who works at the metal <laughs> weld shop. Yeah. So, you know. Oh I God. think I it's the leather tough. jacket. The leather jacket is the source of his power. Gives like him Like Samson with his hair. I love it. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so he buys them off and goes to help uh, Laurie. Because uh, Decker has her pinned down. He fucking bops her, <laughs> bobs her across the face, slaps her with a backhand. Yeah, well, he's, he's like, do you notice yeah. that he's wearing chainmail? butcher's gloves yeah um, they're very fine linked and and i mean butchers don't tend to use them actually but if you're working with shellfish if you're like working in a raw bar and you use one of those knives to gouge open the clams and the oysters that's what those gloves are for and i think it's a really great touch honestly to give that as part of deckard's bizarre uniform you know his yeah his i did like the uniform. gloves yeah. Yeah, gloves, mask, button eyes, blade. Yep. He's just a creepy Coat. dude. With the tie, too. You can't forget the tie. Right? He's, he keeps his suit on, which is like we should have yeah. known it was him from the get-go. He's the only person <laughs> to properly wear a tie in this movie. Everybody else wears sloppy yeah. ties. Yeah, everybody else can't. It's a secret technique. Yeah, so he bops Laurie, knocks her out, and then Boone arrives like a cool guy. He's like, you're here. This is where the dead are supposed to go, but you're not. Yeah. He's like, you're on Decker. We're both dead. That's a cool. I like that. I like that line in any, any like movie is like, we're both dead. It's like, hell yeah, dude, that's pretty sick. Decker stabs Boone in the chest. He's like, ha 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 ha. Blades are no more, no better than bullets. All right. So I guess we learn a lot about Boone now. It's like sun doesn't affect him. Yeah. Blades don't affect him, and I guess bullets won't affect him either. He's pretty strong. Well, the sun doesn't seem to burn him. No. Though he does not like being in it. You know, he's kind yeah. of got the Michael in the first half of Lost Boys form of vampirism. <laughs> so he, he needs sunglasses and his leather jacket. Hell yeah. Now, I think, Lindsay, when you do read the novella, you're really going to enjoy the fact that Boone's leather jacket is like a big part of his personality. Really? Like, <laughs> seriously, like, like he loves his leather jacket. It's referred to in the text at least once as Boone's beloved wow. leather jacket. Hell it is yeah. clear that that jacket is his second skin. Mm. And I maybe think his that, first love. Yeah. 
Yeah, Maybe he well, loves it more than Lori. I, I mean, I suspect that there are some issues that Boone has, and uh, you know, we'll we'll get to that during the uh, the wrap up stage. Yeah, if I can ever make it there. I'm so impatient. <laughs> you can never make it. Yeah, we still got like, yeah, we still got a while to go. Oh gosh, I need to buy this book here. though. So yeah, so Boone is like, you can't kill me. I'm already dead. He shouts out. He's like, he shouts out another show. He's like, I'm the Walking Dead. Hell yeah. Long before. Yeah. Long before. Like I think Robert Kirkman was still in fucking junior high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. I think I was still in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like how Boone and Decker are fighting and Narcisse just walks up with his little hat. He's like, he's like oh, what's going up here? That's pretty cool. Yep. Oh, that guy. I remember that yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, are you going to kill him? Yeah. (laughs) I want his balls in his eyes, unless, of course, you want them. And Boone's like, I think I'll pass. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) They've got that, like, buddy comedy energy, the two of them. Oh, yeah. Like, like the the odd couple cops. Yeah. But they're Nightbreed. And Kinski is their, like, slightly disapproving, like, older guy. Mm -hmm. And Pelequin is the wild card. And Lylesburg's like, would you all just do your jobs? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so uh, Narcissus wants to kill the doctor, and Boone's like, "He's mine," and the doctor escapes. He's like, so Boone transforms into Super Saiyan, you know, the monster <laughs> form, which is just some face makeup and cool line, pretty cool appliances. Tattoos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't look as horrific as no. other monsters no. we see. No, well, you know, they wanted him to still be conventionally pretty yep. because. He's the lead. He ca- you know what? This is the same kind of makeup and like skin stuff that reminds me. I don't know if you've seen the, mo- the vampires from uh, from dust till dawn. Yeah, like the way their face shape changes yeah. like that. It's kind of like that. That's pretty cool though. That what it reminded me of. Um, yeah. Also the the Buffy series. Mm, yeah, it's gonna be hard to segue back into Narcisse <laughs> being a creepo to Laurie. Yeah, he gets on top Narcisse, of her. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We thought you were better. Yeah, yeah honestly. Like, that was a on, bummer. Bro. Yeah, Laurie screams, and then Boone has to choose between chasing after the doctor or helping his uh, girlfriend. And he's like, oh, God damn it. God damn it, Narcisse. He runs back to Laurie. He's like, what the hell, man? He's like, oh, I just didn't do nothing. <laughs> I was just trying Boone to keep her kicked warm. Yeah. Ew. Boone should have punched him in the face at least once for that. Just Come once. On, yep. <laughs> Close fist on top of that. Vinegar on his on his yeah. open wounds. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true because his skull is exposed. Yeah, give oh, him a gosh. good bop like in the three stooges, like a close fist, top of the head bop with the bottom of your hands, like bop. Yeah. It's, um, so yeah, so Boone and Laurie together again. Isn't that great? It yeah. is not for the monsters over. What's his name? Carlisle or something? Lylesburg. Lylesburg. Yeah. <laughs> Carlisle is a name. Miguel just Lylesburg. picks his own random names to. Yeah, I get very close. I get half of the names. <laughs> Lylesburg is like, uh, is like, God damn it, Boone! If his name was Carlisle Lylesburg, that would really <laughs> that'd be good. that'd be quite the tongue twister. It's gonna be my D and D name, my next character, oh, Carlisle Lylesburg. <laughs> He's like, you put us all in danger for your love of this woman. Don't you hate that? Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that a story everybody can relate to? Totally. It's just like you've put us in danger for their love of this woman. It's like you summarize like ninety percent of stories. The tale is old as time. 
Yeah. He's like, Decker won't tell anyone. He's like, he can still lead our enemies here. He called it. <laughs> he literally called it. He's going to lead our enemies here. Don't you understand that, Boone? Boone's messing everything up after being only, what, like two days? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, goddamn, dude. Man, Boone's an outsider even amongst the outsiders. <laughs> yeah, bro. Can't do anything yeah. right. Yeah, Poor he's Boone. like, just take the yeah, just take the girl and leave us, bro. Just get out of here, man. Whatever, just go with the naturals, whatever, dude. That's the law. <laughs> That's the law. And he's like, everything's the law. Boone asks, "Who made this law?" He's like, Baphomet. 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 I was actually surprised yeah, that there was an answer to this. Yeah, it's like, well, that's pretty definitive. Yeah, it was yep. Baphomet, the Redeemer. Yeah. Hell yeah. Can't argue with that. He opens his green eyes here. Hell yeah. So we see Baphomet. He looks pretty cool. Decker arrives at a rent little gas station here. It's like... Always yeah, a gas got station. Visitors. Yeah, always a gas station. With an old guy at the back of there. He's like, he's like, can I use your phone? He's like, yeah, I don't know if it works. He's like, all right, he calls you. Decker calls the inspector. He's like, "Yeah, we got, we got, we got dead bodies over here. We got, we got Boone over here. He's alive. He's, like, he's killing everybody over here." And the guy, the old guy, is like, "You been up to Midian?" He's like, "You kind of smell like you have." He's like, All right, dude. This is a great All right, line. Weird. Yeah, Midian's just a cemetery, though. Decker asks the guy, "Is there anything else to Midian?" He's like, "Nope, just dead folk." Just dead folk. All right, dude. And Decker leaves, and the old guy fucking chains up, you know, locks locks the store up for everything. He's like, oh. That'll keep him out. He's like, it had to happen. Yeah, it had to happen sooner or later. They couldn't hide forever. I guess the old guy knew about, knows about the monsters, I guess. And then we see the back door is open. The old guy's like, ah, god damn it, forgot about that one. There's only two doors in this place, <laughs> and I forgot the back one. <laughs> god dang it. And, of course, he's been talking to his, his taxidermied coyote this right, whole time. Right, right. He Hell forgot yeah. to mention... His, yeah, his as you do. Emotional uh, support taxidermy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everybody needs one. Is he Decker? Just Decker's fast, bro. He's fast as fuck. He's, he got into the store super quickly before anybody saw him. And he's there. He uh, comes up behind the old man and he cuts off the taxidermy fox's head off. God dang it. Don't you just hate that? Now he won't be able to talk to him. Poor old yeah, guy. Yeah, nobody to talk His to. His friend. Laurie wakes up in a place with skulls. It looks pretty cool. Rachel's there. That's cool. And she gives her a night breed history lesson. <laughs> it's like we're shapeshifters or the remains of races that your tribe has almost driven to existence. Well, Lori asks, you're not immortal? She's like, far from it. Son. The sun could kill some of us. <laughs> Bitch, we wish. Yeah, the sun could kill some of us. Some of us can be shot down. And others can survive. I mean, and, that's and, you pretty know, convenient, too, death, because so. like, mm-hmm. not all of the rules apply to them when we see the battle scenes yeah. later. It's just character by character, you know. Yeah. Boone is, can survive sunlight and can survive gunshots, I guess. So that's pretty cool. And they go into something cool. It's like, uh, you know, to be able to fly, to be smoked. It's like, when you dream, you dream of us. It's like, that's cool. You dream, you dream. Dream, 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 dream. That's pretty cool. I always like the theories, like, you go to another place when you dream because nobody, uh, you can't explain why we dream in the first place. So that's pretty cool. Going to another dimension. Yeah, I like that they, this theory is 
more believable than some. Like it grounds yeah. us in this reality a little more. And then Babette shows her the past with her touch, which I guess is one of her abilities, which is pretty that's a pretty strong ability, I'm not gonna lie. She shows her the past, humans killing monsters, which is pretty cool. I like this whole sequence here. That's pretty sick. I need a movie of this. That's pretty cool. The backstories. That's pretty gruesome though. Yeah. It's it's like the Crusades or the witch trials. Yeah, like Crusades. Well, it, it takes a lot of visual cues from the Spanish Inquisition mm. in particular. Yeah. Um, which, remember, that there's some connection of that to the witch trials, but it was primarily an anti-Jewish pogrom. It, mm. it was Spain trying to clean out the Jews by using the church. So again, we're looking at the persecution of the outsider, you know, real world stuff influencing this this fantasy story. Right. And so you have the... Yeah. The creepy pointed hats on the, the the weird like monster hunters, and you've got the the fires and the strange skulls, and it's very apocalyptic. It's a very strong visual sequence, and Danny Elfman goes so hard <laughs> on the soundtrack with that with that sound cue, which I believe is "Blast from the Past" on the uh, the soundtrack CD. With yet, yes, I do still have. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I like Laurie's face when she comes back from the vision here. It's like, ah, uh, she's crying. and Oh, she's just weeping, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. What you crying for? And uh, now we know. <laughs> yeah, and Rachel's like, we are all that remain. And Boone is one of us now. She doesn't talk like that. Yeah, he's a night breed, though. Um, but Laurie's like, that's not possible. That's impossible. Like, like Skywalker. <laughs> that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It can't be. Laurie's like, where is Boone? And Rachel's like, with Baphomet in hell. No, she doesn't say that. But, <laughs> but she yeah. might as well, because Baphomet's chamber well. is uh, yeah. not really like a, a hangout place. <laughs> no. Bunch of weirdos in there. Now we cut back to the store with the old guy and fucking Decker. And Decker's storage room is like, a, you know about the monsters? And the old guy's, yep, Nightbreed. And then... I love the old guy, too. He's actually yeah. one of my favorite characters in yeah. this movie. <laughs> An old character actor from the 50s and 40s, actually, named John Agar, plays Damn. the old man. And I think is pretty fantastic. I like Decker here the most in any other scene we've seen him because I like how he's like interrogating him and he's like can yeah. they die and he, he stabs him with his little knife on the knee he's like well he's very sophisticated. as a performance so that scene actually yeah. came was shot yeah. after principal photography yeah. they had looked at, at an assembly cut of the movie felt like okay how does deckard find out anything you know like wh where, what's his <laughs> step and so that scene got sort of shot later so cronenberg had already been able to see some of his performance and felt that he needed to step it up. He wanted to play at least some of the scenes a little bit more over the top, a little bit more outre. And so with that sequence, not just when he stabs him each time in the knee to emphasize the words, but it's, it's when the guy asks him, you know, why do you hate them so much? <laughs> what, what did they ever do to you? Mm -hmm. And, and when he, when he says, did you want to be one of them? And then the way Cronenberg, I mean, it basically sounds like he's about to like blow in his pants. 
where he's just like, <laughs> I've cleaned up, I've cleaned up so many families and I did it over and over and over again. You're just like, whoa, bro, you yeah. are not well. But I... Everything's been leading up to this. And that's I... what I love because he's gone from just being a like serial killer supervillain into being someone who has a holy purpose. It's all been leading up to this. Boone brought me here so I can exterminate the breed. So oh, when yeah. he says the breed, who mm-hmm. is he referring to? Nightbreed. Well, at that point, he's referring to the nightbreed. But because earlier, when he says, I've been killing breeders. People who... who... And, I'm, and I'm guessing you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what community will sometimes refer to heterosexual people as what? Oh. As breeders. So this yeah. is is this where you're saying the um the the queer subtext is or some of I it? mean, I wouldn't even call it subtext. No, honestly. it's not very subtle. Um, I I thought I because I, I interpreted it as incel, but now I'm looking at it differently. I, yeah, you could look at it as incel, but personally I think that Barker and Cronenberg made Decker to be a self-loathing queer man Mm. who is behaving predatorily and hiding who he is. Mm -hmm. He's unwilling to accept who he is. He needs to wear a mask to be who he is. And he has this unhealthy relationship with a much younger man who doesn't know some things about himself. And manipulates them. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I it, it the whole thing is sort of a, like, bad, pure, gay, age difference dynamic, you know, uh, story. And then Laurie sort of representing heterosexuality. And I think it is very heavily implied in the first half of the movie that while Boone is deeply into her, they aren't exactly doing it. Mm-hmm. I know that that is explicit in the text of the novella spoilers that he can't boone just doesn't get it up like he he's into her he loves her she knows that and she doesn't mind because he's such a decent guy and he's never mean or violent he doesn't drink too much you know he's just a nice guy it's it's a really interesting i think aspect it adds to that relationship the idea that okay she you know they love each other they have a romantic relationship. It is not sexual by the sort of heteronormative definition of sexual. And then he, meanwhile, has this weird relationship going on with his I mean, sort of mentor figure, instructor, you know, psychiatrist. And as the story continues and Boone becomes more aware of his innate queerness, his monstrous mm. self, rather at first, Lori tries to take him back to the real world. She tries to be like, hey, buddy, you know, you're straight. Mm-hmm. And, but he can't be because he isn't. But then, and, you know, uh, spoilers, but, uh, you know, she's not going to keep insisting that he come back to the American white supremacist, you know, capitalist or Canadian, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, heteronormative <laughs> patriarchy. By the end of the story, she has changed her point of view. There's so much to think about and unpack, but when you were describing all of that, I was just thinking about the, I mean, we do see them make out, but the one scene that we see them being very physically intimate, it's just a projection. Um, 
or it's just a sort of... hallucination, and he seems yeah. to be uh, revolted. Yeah, horrified by the by end it. of it. Mm. Yeah, crazy. Stuff. I mean, I was revolted, but. <laughs> I also think it's really interesting that the way that fantasy sequence is shot, her body is almost never the focus. And we're back to that again. But so what I'm saying is, is that from a there's no need to exploit the actress, you know, to to, to put her body in the foreground? Is Barker doing that as a director to avoid the trope or is he reversing the trope and showing more of the beefcake? Because mm-hmm. that's his personal interest. Either mm-hmm. one can be can be right. Like there isn't a wrong answer, you know. The end result is different, but it has different layers. No, it's there's just so much to think about. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like stuck in my own thoughts, like processing it yeah. all. But see, that's what hit me when I was 15. Mm-hmm. I didn't see like the queer subtext. I didn't even know that was such, there was such a thing, you know. But I I did see that the story there was something i couldn't unlock about it but i wanted to mm-hmm. because there were so many ways that i was able to look at it even with my sort of you know hormonally addled 15 year old brain i was so excited that i didn't that i didn't have to get carded when i bought my ticket because i was 15 it's an r-rated movie you know you have to be 17 or older. And I was so stoked. Like, oh, <laughs> maybe this stubble I've been growing for the last six months is it's finally paying pay off. off, you know, <laughs> kind of moment. Yeah, I just like how he's like, oh, he says, um, I was born to destroy Boone and the breed together. And the guy's like, you're crazy. And Decker's like, no, I'm death, plain and simple. I like destroy that. Destroy of worlds, motherfucker. Hell yeah! I like that in a villain. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm just evil." Fuck so you. melodramatic. I don't have I have no sympathy for me. <laughs> I'm evil, bro. Oh, he kills the old guy. He stabs the old guy in the chest, heart. That's cool. Uh, this whole sequence here takes forever, bro. <laughs> Lori goes down trying to find Boone. Lausberg is like. Oh, I love it though. Is this yeah. is this when we just get a really deep dive into? All of the different types of monsters that live in this yeah. world. Yeah, and Laurie descends. I love like that, Dante though. down and, <laughs> but yeah, so she just charges away in there because she don't take no shit from nobody. So she goes down into the depths of Baphomet's place. I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah, she goes Baphomet's into the depths place. And we, we see yeah. all the different creatures. The Danny Elfman sort of carnival music is in full force. Yeah. She runs into the berserkers that get established. Yeah, this long sequence. She thinks she's following Boone at one point, but she isn't. It's some other guy that looks yeah. like a weird snake monster. And Peliquin's there and is being all all suggestive with her again because he's just he's just got a permanent heart on and uh he takes her little (laughs) her little butterfly pin and just sticks it into his chest it's a really great creepy bad seduction moment and i love it yeah she keeps going she meets onaka the the little sailor guy with all the tattoos and the dog who leads her down to where the um berserkers are and there are these big, ugly, misshapen monsters 
She almost didn't make it. She, she almost, almost got didn't make it. But she got and saved. And our sissy's in there somewhere being Narcisse, and he's dancing with a corpse because he's a goofball. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and then then we arrive um, with Boone here. She what were they? What was the? What was Boone doing down here again? What was the reason he was? He down was here? going to speak to Baphomet to the Redeemer to try and basically make amends. Oh wow! For showing people things and for leading things, but Boone doesn't tell us what he saw. Mm-hmm. He just no. kind of he goes into stumble mode. He's so dazed by this interaction with a living deity. And Laurie and him are just like, fuck it, we're out of here. They leave yeah. and drive back to Sheer Neck and to the bar. And they're going to go up and get all of her stuff and get out of there. Was it the bar? Well, it's a motel. I thought it was like a motel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, we see uh, Decker doing his business. Uh, oh, yeah. He's business. on the phone like yeah. a dirty biatch. Like a dirty biatch. Yeah, he slaughters some people at the hotel to, you know... To have some dead bodies around when he police arrive, so you know it well, looks what it looks to like. Let off some steam. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, don't you just hate that? <laughs> sweet grass in that's a that's a name. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I love the sweet grass. <laughs> yeah, very easy. Very oh, easy. and uh, by the way, it was Buffalo Days, so you got a bunch of guys running around with buffalo oh, hats yeah. on, little horns. That's oh, right. Man. I. I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> no, but so this is Buffalo Days, which is part of Calgary and Sheerneck, which is a real town, by the way, that is part of their sort of like Wild West celebration of like the past, you know, of their great colonial days. And so the Buffalo Days, a lot of the Calgarians and especially in the area around Sheerneck will wear these goofy buffalo headdresses. Well, what a bunch of nerds. It is referencing. Well, I think that what we're having here is a pretty explicit depiction that this is colonized land, that these people Mm. don't belong here. They, you know, these these are the people who are celebrating the passing of the buffalo, like in a shit kicker town like this is we're not meant to be sad that this room full of guys got got. Yeah. Uh, in my Which, opinion. Uh, yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's weird. Boone waits outside where Laurie gets changed again. There's a little, but uh, yeah, Laurie sees from um, a hole in the wall, the next the room over and Boone opens the door and sees a bunch of dead people up on there with a card tower you make when you're a little kid. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good card tower. So yeah, all the bodies there. Boone starts freaking out. As you do when you're a monster. A hideous monster. That needs to be on. And Laurie's like, what's what's going on? And Boone's like, I don't want you to see. And Laurie's like, oh, I can't leave you. But then Boone turns around and he's all red-eyed and monster stuff. And crazy. And then police arrive and they surround the building. That's and his Boone super saiyan mode, blood. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Boone can't help himself and licks blood from the table into his mouth with his fingers and Marius gets out of there yeah Boone seems himself in the mirror and he's all oh I'm a monster I'm a monster but literally it's not even the monster inside anymore it's literally exterior <laughs> and police arrive and arrest him 
he turns back into normal form before they get him. Great. It's not like he could fight them off if he wanted to or anything, you know, but see him at the police station. We we see Ashbury for the first time, which is the priest. Ah, yes. The Reverend Ashbury. Yeah. Uh, Who's uh, in the cell next to Boone here. So he gets uh, Boone thrown into the cell and he gets beat up. Pretty good. Beat up pretty good. By by, Captain uh, Igerman, played by the great Charles Hayde. Mm. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Yeah, he gets beat up with fists and uh, something else. I can't remember. He gets kicked in the chest. And Ashbury is like bloodying up his hand with his nails or something. Mm-hmm. That's like pretty crazy. Like digging some nails into his palm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Your nails have to be strong to do that. It's pretty crazy. I thought it so, was yeah. going to serve a purpose, but. Well. Yeah, a- Ashbury didn't I mean, live up to my expectations. Yeah. Ashbury <laughs> serves quite a bit. Man, you guys should have seen the theatrical version if you think he doesn't yeah. do much in this version. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, I think Ashbury is there to make some more overt religious parallels and connotations. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, with Ashbury, you have, I mean, he is clearly a Catholic priest because you, you don't wear that suit. Uh, that often <laughs> otherwise with the, and with the collar yeah and we know that he claims that he doesn't believe in the devil mm-hmm. we also mm-hmm. know that he's a drunk and you know spends a lot of time in the drunk tank which for a priest is pretty weird so do we know why by, he's there in the first place well by suggesting that he is <laughs> he doesn't believe in the devil if he's a catholic priest he absolutely should and of course, if you don't believe in the devil, does that mean that Ashbury doesn't believe in God either? Yeah. That is that is my suggestion on why there is that line about I don't believe in the devil from him. I think he is also confessing probably why he drinks is that he doesn't believe in God either. And that's why when Ashbury gets to Midian, he finds a God. Right. One he can actually have evidence of. One that he can believe in but because he needs to to have the sort of proof he needs to touch this god he goes too far he he instead of just marveling at what he's witnessed he goes further into the chamber and he gets splashed yeah i guess i mean we're we're sort of jumping ahead but i guess my yeah sorry about that no 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 worries talk about ashbury (laughs) (laughs) no i guess my 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 point was more like if you cut him out of the film entirely i don't know if he would have been missed like i don't know no i i think you could have absolutely like either either add more to his character and more more of that narrative have more religious analogy yeah Yeah, i do like the idea of his character or not at all but it's very interesting I i do like the idea Nightbreed is one of those movies where the ideas are so good. Yes. For me, that but like, not fully I'm like, yeah, no, it's formed. they're not fully fleshed out because yeah. I don't think Barker has ever been that good of a filmmaker, frankly. Yeah. Like, I, I love two of his movies. You'll notice I don't really talk about the third one. <laughs> I love two of his movies, but I don't think he's like a great filmmaker. I, I think there's a reason why he's only made three films. It's, it's, really fucking hard to do mm-hmm. and i think that for him the struggle you know of of how much you have to do as a director 
I think it was a lot. But no, I don't think he could fully sort of do everything he yeah. was trying to. But, you know, God bless him for trying. That's that's what I say. Yeah. Take big swings, big swings. That's crazy. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We cut back to the chief and the inspector and Decker and they're going to make a press conference. Decker's like, don't trust Boone. He changes. Great. Yeah. Thank you great for that. Line reading. It's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, well, it's fine. It's fine in here because nobody asks what he means. So they just leave. The inspector's like, you know, Decker was right about the motel. And he's like, maybe he's right about the other stuff, Mitty. And he's like, well, he's, he's like, what do you think? There's monsters there? He's like, the inspector actually comes up with a good idea. He's like, no, maybe there's a cult there. I was yeah. like, oh, that's that's pretty interesting, actually. You know, that's that's pretty smart, actually. I would have never thought about that angle. Yeah, cult there. Yeah. And he's like, you want to go out there? He's like, all right, you're going to take some police out there. All right, cool, 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 cool. Going out to Midian. I like the line, anything with more than two eyes, and you know, you call me. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, Charles funny. Haight is like, wonderful in this because yeah. he's just such a asshole. I mean, Captain Eigerman yeah. is such a colossal prick. <laughs> and what we have in these sequences is the prick who is excited and happy because he's winning. Mm-hmm. he's he's oh, gonna yeah. get he gets to do a press conference he's gonna be on the news and you know like he gets to be a ham that, that's what he's that's what he's doing this for is for his his own gratification mm-hmm. yep yep and so he sends his, oh, yeah. his boys patine and uh, these other younger officers with inspector joyce back to the graveyard yeah and we see uh boone being checked out by a doctor in there but uh-oh What's up, Doc? He's dead. He ain't got Boone. Boone ain't got no pulse. He's got no pulse. That's weird. That's weird. It's pretty weird. Weird. The man is dead. <laughs> All right, he did. I like the cop. Just points a gun at him and fucking leaves. The room. <laughs> like, like backs away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like I ain't fucking around with this. <laughs> yeah. That boy ain't right. Yeah, boy, you're right. That was a very quick. Uh, they made the press conference very quick. It's like, all right, it's already set up. So at the press conference, uh, they're asking questions. He's like, has Boone made a confession? He's like, mm. he's like cannibalism. He's like, I found traces of you know flesh and stuff and blood. He's like, all right. he's like, ask, is that the same Boone that was shot down in in Midian four days ago? He's like, what? What are you talking about? Because the chief didn't know. That's crazy. Then a cop comes up, talks in his ear, and he's like, all right, that's enough. The press press conference over. <laughs> Makes him look and pretty foolish to, uh, having a press yeah. conference, and he doesn't know all the information. Nope. Foolish. And he goes to Decker, and he's like, what the hell is going on? How many bullets did you put Boone over there? How many bullets did they pull out of that geek up in Midian geek. is the line. Geek it's a great fucking line. <laughs> hell Yeah. And Decker's like, ah, oh. he's like, God dang it. He's like, yeah, that guy's dead. That makes no sense. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff here. No poles. Decker's like, are you saying he's dead? And the chief is like, he's not laying around dead. He's walking around in my fucking cell, dead. How does that make sense? And we see the police over at the graveyard, Midian. Mm-hmm. We see all the monsters hiding out in the in the below the underground, and the cops looking around, looking around, talking, scouting. One of them says, uh, "There's people down there. I can feel it." I'm like, damn, he's got some, 
<laughs> police senses or something. Tingling. That's pretty good. He's right. And he's like, fakes them out. He's like, I don't know. Why would you want to live in a graveyard? Let's just call it a day, Inspector, and head for home. And he runs and grabs, uh, what's the guy's name? The guy with the dog. Onaki. Onaki. Something like that. I also suspect that Sergeant Patine, the older of the uh, Sheerneck cops, the one who feels like something is underneath, Mm. I suspect that that is a reference to prior military service. Mm. because of the age like he was probably he was of an age where he could have been an early vietnam or even late korean conflict veteran crazy stuff and you know you you get a real sense i think for that it's like when you're playing hide and go seek as a kid and you go into a room and you just can tell that someone else is in that space you're not sure where but you feel that sort of electrical prickle, right? Or maybe you don't. Maybe I, I do, and I'm oh, weirder than I thought. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that that's what Patin is referring to. So, yeah, they drag out Onaka or Onaki out into the sun. He, and they're like, he's they another take monster off his... that doesn't particularly have that many monstrous qualities. I, no, no. He they has take off. he has tattoos oh. and nipple piercings. Things which they maybe, would take one of them off. Maybe is this is rude. what is meant to help us be more attached to him. I'm I'm just wondering if this was a choice to make us more attached to him. He's more human. He's more. We can empathize with him more. So yeah, when I what happens yeah. next is more heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Part of it was also because he had such a bad time making Hellraiser, that actor, because he was in so much latex and he was so sort of alone and miserable inside this like mountainous suit. He told Clive, I'll be in it and I'll be a monster, but please, I just don't want to be all covered in, in mm-hmm. makeup. And so I think that Barker and the, the the sort of costume designer decided to go for a minimalist look and just make him a freak, like mm-hmm. an outsider, like the kind of person who in 1990 would absolutely stand out. But, you know, I mean, now he just looks like a person you'd see on Venice Beach. Yeah. In Austin. I mean, he just looks like a guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, times times do change. (laughs) Yeah. And he blows up. Yeah. (laughs) He blows up pretty good. Uh, Oh, gosh. But it's so heartbreaking because he's pulled out there. The sun burns him. He literally starts turning to ash. He reaches towards the detective. The detective moves away. Like, ew. Hell yeah. Ew. I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to touch you. Mm -hmm. And then he explodes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big ass explosion, too. It's not a small one. It's like, God damn. That makes no sense. They weren't hit or injured in that explosion. (laughs) That makes no sense. Yeah, at least one of them had to have shrapnel somewhere. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> right, a bone yeah. fragment just stuck in his yeah. eye. But this yeah, is the moment bro. where the police realize they have the perfect weapon right over their heads, the sun. I mean, for some of them. I yeah, guess. exactly. I mean, they don't know <laughs> that, though. They don't know yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And the detective says, yeah, <laughs> until it goes down, until it goes down. That's true. It's about to be night. 
the next the way scene that, is that Hugh Corshi, no Hugh Ross, who plays uh, uh, Inspector Joyce, gives that line reading is just fantastic because yeah. he's he kind of is very tickled by the irony of it. This like, yeah, guys, we're <laughs> don't get cocky that that we have the perfect weapon over our heads. Yeah. So yeah, so that happens, and cut to well, the police car on fire. <laughs> this is hilarious. Just blown up, and uh, we see who did it immediately. He's like, uh, and we see cut to Narcisse <laughs> in a car laughing. He's like, ah, so good. Him. This guy has balls. Whoever the police reached into the car to grab the radio to call in, it's like, goddamn, bro, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he calls to the chief, and he's like, ah, they blew our car up. And they got us. We need some backup. Now, lousy freaks. <laughs> so he gets ready. And he's like, I think it's about time to get out there. And they get Reverend Ashbury. He's going to be our... Some, they want him for some reason, I guess. I guess because he's a priest and they're going to have God on it. Have anime and God, <laughs> God, God on, on our side here. <laughs> yes, God I on love our that. Side, yeah. Anime oh, and yeah. God. Have God on our side. They're forcing, <laughs> forcing this drunk priest to come with them. And... Might as well. Bible verses. And we see the whole town suit up, mount up. We're going to catch us some monsters tonight. I we'll started disassociating tonight. through this part. Like, my notes yeah. here are very scarce because I just started disassociating. I was like, okay, evil mob. Hell yeah, evil mob. That's a real thing, too. <laughs> you tell me you want to go kill a vampire or something? I'm right there with you, bro. Let's get it. Let's kill some monsters. Hell yeah. That's real. That's the realest part of this movie. <laughs> People ready to kill. Well, yeah, they're ready to kill the outsiders. They're ready to Hell kill yeah. the unclean, the incorrect, the, the not abnormal. right, the the queer, yeah. if you will. Hell yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And the monster—that's a real thing because that's also a real thing that like you want to look up. Uh, like I forgot what it's called. Like the black church graveyard whatever when people thought they were in a there were vampires in a mm. graveyard so they mm-hmm. went and killed it <laughs> they went to kill it but there was nothing there but the whole town went like we're gonna kill some vampires tonight well and mob in violence, the uk and mob violence is always a result of fear yeah, i yeah. mean that's that's all there is to it it's it's fear and so we see that the sons of liberty or sons of freedom whatever the hell his little yeah. group is called and uh, just to say the armory sequence was not in the theatrical release, and it's honestly kind of depressing that they put it back in. Like, I don't think we needed mm-hmm. the the cop making out with the garage. The garage, yeah, yeah. Like, that just felt really, yeah, like a, a I don't know, just unnecessarily mm-hmm. goofy. But at the same time, I think Barker was being very clear about his feelings about, like, small-town authoritarian bigots. Yeah. I, I, I think he might have had a statement there about the kinds of people who say, they're different, let's get them! Because let's not forget, Miguel, that in horror, the monster is often the queer. You know, it, whether it's the vampire who comes from a different country and is therefore frightening to have him attracted to our good virginal white women, or it's the werewolf, someone who has some kind of a problem and they can't control themselves... Like, very frequently, the monster is the queer representation, especially in early film. And as hard as it is to believe, the 1980s was still a time where you couldn't really have 
movies about explicitly queer themes that were mainstream, that were U.S. movies. And so artists like Barker, you know, they kind of found a way to to get in and gay it up a bit. And gay it God up. bless them. But like, that's why we have Dracula. You know, that's why we have The Bride of Frankenstein, one of the gayest movies ever made. Lost oh, Boys. Oh, man. Oz, I don't know if you, queer. I don't know if you noticed, but we covered uh, Bride of Frankenstein for. Of course, I noticed. I listened. It was a great Hell episode. Hell yeah! <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 the queer subtext as text, and you know, having the angry mob of shit kickers going after the weirdos that just want to hang out in their own space. I mean, yeah, that's that is. And we got to remember the Stonewall riots weren't that long before this. And so having some of the breed be all like, yeah, we got to stand up. We can't just sit down. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's the one uh, Leroy Gom, the weird, very, very like queer presenting pale albino guy with the snakes that live in his belly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that guy like is all like, yeah, there goes the neighborhood when the straight woman comes in. He's the one who's like, yeah, we can't just sit down because queer communities were afraid. You had gay bars that literally like, well, what are we going to do if they come in and beat us up? Nothing. And you had some groups that were like, absolutely not. We can fucking strap. We can say, get the fuck out of here, shit kickers, or we're going to leave you on your backs. And there's always that kind of debate in any kind of resistance, in any kind of, of... subjugated social group outcast group there's always the you know what we should just try and get along and uh maybe they'll leave us alone and there's always the fuck this we we get rights too Mm -hmm. and i think that that's where peliquin you know is sort of our our character i think that's where boone is our character and that is my take on that yeah i think that's very valid yeah (laughs) Yeah, so Lori sees that. She's picked up by Narcisse with his glasses, sunglasses, looking pretty cool. And he's like, we have to get Poon back because the whole town is empty because everybody went to kill the people in the graveyard. Oh, and they determined that Boone is special? Yes. Baphomet told him something. Baphomet spoke with him, and, you know, Boone's alive, so that means something. Because nobody, nobody talks nobody to Baphomet. Talks to yeah. Baphomet. Nobody talks to yeah, Baphomet. Yeah, or survives, yeah. So we got uh, Narcisse, Lori, and Rachel invading the police station, which is pretty cool. Do we ever figure out what he says to him? Nah. Eh, maybe it's the same as at the ending. I don't, I don't, we'll see yeah, I, I, I think Miguel's right. I think that, that what he is told at the ending is sort of Baphomet repeating himself. Okay, maybe my notes <laughs> yeah, will remind probably. me. Yeah, so yeah, Narcisse punches his way into the police station. I and, love uh, a coward! A coward. Yeah, he yeah, was like, where was Boone? And they tell us, I love a coward. Uh, Rachel used her smoke technique go in through a locked door which is pretty sick oh that's pretty awesome Uh, yeah and to go in through a cop yeah and uh i put in my notes she uses her nakedness hell yeah you're using nakedness to stun the cop just a little just a little distraction well she also seems to need to be unclothed to go mist to go non-corporeal i do like that idea and so i think that that's why you know as soon as she's done 
punching through that cop's chest, Lori's like throwing a shawl over her because mm-hmm. yeah, she you know, go go back. Uh, how does Shadowcat keep her clothes on when she phases in the X Men comics? You know, kind of question. Well, because it's a comic book asshole, that's why. Yeah. And actually, you know, I like I like movie, this so. uh, I like this theory. This uh, it would be slightly annoying if it was gratuitous, but to offer that reasoning makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. I, I look, I'm speculating here, you know, I, I don't no, know. I like it though. That does make sense to me. This is one of those movies where, and I think this is part of, of my love for it from my youth is because by it having these not fully drawn out aspects, you know, the deep lore isn't fully explained not everything is labeled. And so yeah. that enables the the person whose imagination is grabbed, in this case me, to be excited and to think about it. it it's, it's like, you know, the nerds that would come up with Star Wars or Star Trek theories based on stuff that wasn't said. And I don't know about you guys. That was definitely part of my childhood. I, I'm sure, though, you had something where you were like, well, yeah, obviously Shaggy and Scooby are smoking weed. no i i I, I do get where you're coming from i do get where you're coming from i think it i think it's sort of a blessing and a curse in this case and maybe even in star wars's case because i did i grew up um i know star wars is before my time but i grew up with it because it was such a pivotal part of my dad's childhood that he introduced it to mine when i was very small so i do get the the love of the mystery behind it all the things that are left unsaid and i do think it's nicer when not everything has to be explained it's one of the reasons why i so disliked the um tim burton remake of uh charlie and the chocolate factory because they they explain too much right i think this film sort of has that charm but also they could probably do a better job of explaining things but we discussed that, and I'll probably discuss it again later when I get to my review. I was going to say, you're going to hate the Wonka uh, prequel. Oh, mm-hmm. Miguel, <laughs> I do not plan to watch it. <laughs> uh, that's going to be amazing. That's going to bomb so bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, Laurie and Boone reunite, and then they kiss. Uh, Boone transforms into monster mode, but, you know, is able to control himself. He doesn't, you know bite out her throat or anything they just kiss again but more beastly (laughs) (laughs) yeah like a narcissist is like no time for hoochie coochie we gotta get out of here yeah we see the chief and the police um and reverend ashbury reading from the bible midian's in the bible it is but it is yeah paragraph has been altered slightly to yeah. sound more appropriate for the movie. Yeah, and the chief was like, ah, it seems like we're going to go head-to-head with the devil himself. And that's where Ashbury's like, I don't believe in the devil. And Decker's like, but you will. You mm. will. And then they arrive at uh, Midian looking crazy. And they move in like Call of Duty. And they uh, set up tripwire and explosives and crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And it's a crazy armory this little town has. <laughs> Ashbury almost sets off a tripwire, almost blew everybody up right there for his drunken mistake. And he's like, there's no evil. You're listening to me. It's wrong. It's sacrilege. This is holy ground. And the chief is like, shut up. 
and get out of here. And he smacks him. It's not, not a good time for Ashbury here. And you see them setting everything up. Decker goes to his truck and we see his mask and knife. And the inspector is like, ah, oh, you'll miss all the fun. You <laughs> see our heroes arriving <laughs> through a shortcut. And Decker's like, um, I found something there. You want to look at it? And Inspector's like, all right. And he sees the mask. He's like, what the hell is this? And then Decker stabs him in the throat, slashes his throat with a knife, and the inspector is dead. Crazy. No need for pretense anymore. He's just letting himself be who he is. He's just speaking his truth. Yeah, that sucks for the inspector. That was like a, such a lame way to go <laughs> for, yeah. for that character. Oh, well. Uh, police, they set off the explosives like Looney Tunes with a box and, a, you know, they set off the explosive and uh, explode Midian. <laughs> there you go. They won. That's it. Yeah, and I guess it exposes the monster so, you know, the humans can go in and wreck shop. Peliquin is the first one out there fighting. You know, he jumps oh, on yeah, the truck he's ready. and then, you know. He's yeah, been waiting for almost this. Almost good. Yeah, he gets run over by a truck, but he's fine though. He's he's good. And then the truck, you know, crashes into the, into the underground, and I'm assuming they died there. Explodes, which is another explosion, which cracks the earth in two. Crazy. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of explosions yeah. for the next 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna speed through it here. It's, Boone goes down there and he's like, we got to fight. And Ellisberg is like, no, we can't fight. And that's like, Boone's like, no, fuck that. We have to fight. And, you know, it's like, arm yourselves. And now the humans are already in there with shotguns and everything, shooting monsters and shit. It's crazy. Boone uh, helps them arm themselves with wooden planks, I guess. And he takes a shotgun. Busted up coffins. Yeah. Yeah. He beats up uh, one of the townspeople who takes their shotgun. Laurie's being chased by Decker around with the mask, by the way, this whole time. She's, uh, she can't. (laughs) That must suck to be Laurie. (laughs) Get chased around by a serial killer this whole time. You have to figure out where Boone is, your fucking boyfriend, Mm -hmm. who's now a monster. God damn it. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to happen in a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah, the humans are shooting the monsters. Monsters are trying to fight back, you know. Laurie's being chased by Decker. You know, Narcisse sees Decker chasing her, so he's like, ah, I'm gonna get you, you dummy. And Laurie trips and falls into the underground. She saves Babette. Again. Yeah. Rachel kills the guy pointing the gun at Babette, and Laurie kills him. Pretty crazy. Crazy stuff. Another explosion. <laughs> I thought the spiky looking female monster was going to have a bigger role. No. Because early on when Boone is sort of being baptized, oh, she's yeah. like, I had a dream about him. And he also Shuna says, Shuna Saucy. But he also says, I had a dream about her. So I thought there was going to be a bigger role, but we don't really see her much, just little glimpses. And then we see her. Uh, a little bit more when she yeah. seduces one of the cops yeah. to kill. That would end a plot twist now where like, Boone leaves Laurie for <laughs> for her. That would be crazy. That would have been. That would have been. So yeah, so the chief is shooting down monsters. Ashbury is like, oh, this is wrong. There are children down there. You're killing them. And he points a gun at the chief and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do nothing. And uh, the chief just about to kill uh, the padre here. 
And Boone, this is my favorite part of the Boone comes up in karate sidekicks, <laughs> like the karate kid sidekicks the chief out of the way. That's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't know he knew martial arts. That's crazy. Of course. He just drop kicks him. That's what happens when you own a leather jacket. It just <laughs> gives you these powers. Like in Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Yeah, it's like Boone's like, we don't like priests here. And get out. Get out of here. And Ashbury takes off the collar and he's like, I have to see, please let me be with you. And he's like, hmm, let me see police shooting more people. And this is where we get the spiked porcupine lady here. Uh, she spikes one of them with her spikes and then she seduces <laughs> one of the other one. Very, like, not even subtle about it. She's like sticking her tongue out and everything. It's like, it's crazy stuff. So he goes in there and, you know, he's about to do with her. But, you know... She kills him. <laughs> she fucking flexes her back and spikes him in the face and spikes the last one there. Hell yeah. Fast acting. Just mm-hmm. kills three mm-hmm. of them super quick. That's pretty cool. And yeah, so you see Boone down there. And what else happens? I wrote someone shoots Lylesburg. Yeah, Lylesburg gets shot, releases the yeah. berserkers. The berserkers, the berserkers yeah. run out and break some shit. Why? Yeah, Berserkers I'm, I'm turn sure the tide. I'm sure this is explained yeah. in the novella, but why are they chained up separately away from the rest of the monsters? Presumably because their appetite for violence is so great that not even the law can constrain them. When I was I mean, young, I actually had a theory that Peliquin was one of the Berserkers, but occasionally was permitted out for good behavior. But, um, you know, the choice to have the berserkers all sort of like giant troll-looking things, yeah, I mean, it didn't really work, I don't think. They're just kind of, they feel like um, like heavy enemies in a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you've got your regular enemies and then here comes a heavy. Like that's what the berserkers feel like. It, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, weird, a weird note in the movie. I think it's interesting and it's one of those things where... I'm just interested in the lore in it, and I, yes. I just wonder if the novella goes into it more. Not, I mean, it does, but like, have you read much Barker? Not at all. He will put a little bit into a sentence. And let you So just... it might be something like, when Lylesburg found them, the berserkers had been ravaging the wastes of Siberia for generations. Right. Now docile in their cave, they await the release from the mm-hmm. savior known as Cabal. Like, literally, that might be all he wrote about them, but it's still enough to make you go, okay. oh, wow, like they're monsters. So like the other monsters still have to accept them, even though they're monstrous and they're even more monstrous than the monsters. Whoa, I think. I mean, that's and then thing. the monsters are <laughs> civilized enough to keep them alive. Right. Just not yeah. in a way that hinders and like other to let Lori go and you know mm-hmm. like they're yeah. not monsters they're just monstrous and right. the people of course are actually monsters they're real monsters Igerman and Deckard Reverend Ashbury I think that Ashbury is a sympathetic monster but he's still monstrous yeah yeah. Yeah, the berserkers are let loose and they just go crazy. They berserk rage, as you do. And uh, they turn the tide of the battle. That's cool. So yeah, they just start killing humans. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. You mean yeah, those planks metal. that Boone was giving out didn't turn the tide? 
Hell no. <laughs> These fuckers got flamethrowers yeah. and machine guns. These planks weren't going to do anything. Right, a tat tat. Yeah. So yeah, so with the Berserker's help, they are able to, you know, the humans run away. Run away! It's <laughs> another Monty Python thing. Run away! Yeah. Igerman running after them, dry firing his revolver. Yeah. I'll kill you all! Because <laughs> Captain Igerman's gone full mm-hmm. over the top yeah. at this point. He's yeah. He has succumbed to battle madness and massive trauma. I mean, think about it. Like, yeah, he's a bigot and an asshole, but suddenly he's facing actual monsters and seeing people get torn apart in front of him. Like, no yeah. wonder a lot of these guys are falling apart in their final moments. For sure. Yeah. That's a great way to get people to come back and fight for you. I'll kill you if you know. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like that. And he sees the berserkers and he starts to run away too. He gets uh, bumped into by a truck and, you know, He's like, oh my god, and he runs away. And uh, Berserkers flip cars over and shit, they're strong. And then one guy uses a bazooka, shoots zero of the Berserkers and shoots the truck behind them. <laughs> Horrible aim. <laughs> Horrible aim. Lori uh, sees Pelican and he talks about prophecies. It's the first time, great, you should have said something sooner. Don't, all right, whatever. He shows her the prophecies all these years waiting for a savior. He wasn't. He wasn't sent to save us, though. He was sent to destroy us. And he sees the bite. So everything was prophesized. Crazy stuff. Boone sees Decker. See Decker is chopped off. Narcissus' head. So uh, Narcissus is dead. That sucks. And then we see Decker and Boone fight. <laughs> Crazy fight. They both fall through the floor and onto like a stair, like a bridge thing with Decker with his two knives. Looking crazy. His little pose he does with his two knives is crazy. He's like swinging them around. He's like, yeah. Good fight. I like the fight. That was a good fight. I like the fight. Boone turned, you know, his beast mode and uh, Decker stabs him through the back with one of his blades. And Boone smashes his Decker's face with a mirror and he starts hitting him all over the place. And he grabs him and takes his mask off and he's like, ah. And he's Stabs Decker with the blade going coming out of his chest in a humping motion. He's like one last Which, dance. Which you know, finally yeah. consummating their relationship with yeah. his one last dance, Doctor, and then he disembowels him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally with the blade coming out of his chest, and he has to do that motion. You know, it's like crazy. Do you think Craig Schaefer was like um, Clive? You know, it kind of looks like I'm humping him when I when I do that. And yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Craig. That's that's sort of the point. Yes. yes. Please keep doing that. Harder next time, actually. <laughs> Pull his hair a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> Another symbolic thing after right after this, uh, Boone is like goes to Laurie and he's like, "Pull the knife out." So Laurie pulls the knife out of his back. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Read into that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "All right, I have to do to finish this prophecy thing, Laurie. I do this over here. I got damn it, got to go to work." <laughs> Ashbury just is there behind them. They don't mention him at all. He's just there behind them, just, just walking, chilling, just watching, yeah, just watching. So yeah, fucking Boone walks up to Baphomet's statue, and you know he gets picked up. Baphomet's like, ah, you have destroyed our refuge. This was inevitable. You have to, no home is forever. You must rebuild what you destroyed. 
Uh, he's like, you must find me, heal me, and save me from my enemies. That's a, that's a cool line. That's a lyric right there. That's a song lyric. And now you are Cabal. That's a cool name. All right. And now, now Boone is Cabal. One name. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing to have a name, given a name by a god. That's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool flex. You know, you've got Cher. <laughs> yeah. You've got Bono. Madonna. You've got Cabal. Yeah. And he gets a marking on his forehead, which is pretty cool. After that, you know, they just kind of leave, leave Ashbury behind. Uh, Lori comes up the stairs and grabs a blade with her. You know, it kind of smirks. It's like, all right, it was one of <laughs> I caught that Decker's too. blade. Yeah, all right, dude. Very self-satisfied. Yeah. So Ashbury goes into the chambers, you know, drops his Bible. And he goes to touch the liquid that was touched before in the ritual. And uh, and Baphomet doesn't like that. So he, he kind of splashes him in the face on purpose. And Ashbury is like, what have you done? And he, sw- he turns into a monster, crazy looking <laughs> big, big head. <laughs> really? Big head. I mean, does he turn into a monster or is he just a man who has now been disfigured? Honestly, it could have been acid in there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. I don't know what that was, but Lori and Bo- I was gonna say Bono, <laughs> Boone, get out of there, and you know, the whole place goes up in flames. It's destroyed, and now Midian is no longer. No After longer. that, since this is the, I guess we we all saw the director's cut. I guess so. That's mm, the same yes. ending for all of us. Yeah, and yeah, so it's the two-hour director's cut. Up on the hill. Boone and Laurie are and uh, <laughs> he's like yeah and Laurie's like I- I'll go with you and he's like I- I. Boone's like I belong to the breed now and she's like then make me belong too they made you one for them you can make me and he's like I can't oh my and god like, and I'm just like just you. make her one for Christ's <laughs> yeah, sake know, she's right? asking for you it you could totally do it <laughs> Jesus he's like I'll come back for you he's like when's that gonna be when I'm when I'm 90 all good points. All good points. I yeah. hear you, sister. Yeah. And she even says she went through hell to find him. Yeah? She yeah. did. She's like, well, you can just go walk away. Then just go. Then just, just walk get away. Out of That's here. what you always do. Just That's go. what you always do. You run away from your problems. And he's like. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> and then he <laughs> goes. <laughs> he walks away. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what do you want? And she's like, go. And he's like, all right, bye. And she takes two steps, and she's like, Boone. And she stabs, stabs herself, herself in the stomach. In the stomach. Yeah, which wouldn't kill you instantly, by the way. That would take a while. That but was whatever, smart, though. Fine. That was smart. Yeah. She's like, I lied. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You're all I want. You're all I need. And she's, he's like, please don't die. And he's, she's like, then do something. Damn I mean, it. yeah, she is a little too dependent yeah. on him. Yeah. yeah. But the romantic in me says, for Christ's sake, make her a monster too, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Be a monster yeah. couple. Well, I mean, yeah, the, yeah. For the romance, for the gothic romance of their relationship, like, yeah. But like, from a realistic you know, modern yeah. perspective, you go like, Jesus Christ, Lori, that is it's that not is healthy. Really unhealthy. Right. <laughs> it's not healthy. That is not a smart, safe, or loving behavior right. to make to put him in that kind position. of position. Like wow, that's not cool, lady. But you know, I yeah. get it. It's it's a it's a monster romance. Yeah. It's like the same way we can pick apart Bella Swan and and Edward Cullen. We can pick apart you know, whomst ever. Yeah, because just about that's everything. actually not sexy or healthy. Every single vampire romance ever. 
Yeah. 100%. But like, you know, whatever. We're enjoying the story. Yeah, we're in it. And uh, he freaks out. Well, she stabs herself in the stomach and he runs over to her. She says, do something, damn it. And then he finally, finally bites her. And she really acts the fuck out of it, too. And Bobby is the MVP of this movie. Yeah. I mean, once Cheryl Ann got killed off. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She's a she's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, so he has like no choice now. <laughs> he but he's not even sure her. if he's there and he's he's not even sure if he's yeah. uh arrived in time, if he's bitten her in time. Yeah, he's like, Ah, oh, don't please don't be late and he's like, No, no and no. he does that thing where you do in movies where you scream out into the sky, No Yeah, you have to do that. Which, it's the law. Which is much cooler in movies than in real life, I imagine. That would be They're on that sound yeah. stage that is yeah. clearly Yeah clearly really the outdoors <laughs> yeah and then oh lori lives she's alive well yeah in, well, in her own way she's alive. one of them yeah. now. She's one of them now. basically she she told him i accept you for who you are and then wanted so badly to be with him that she was willing to join his perverted strange lifestyle yeah so at the end of the movie lori has embraced her partner's queerness whether she's unlocking her own or not is a whole nother mm-hmm. story and obviously will happen in the sequel that I'll direct next <laughs> year. Um, <laughs> God, yeah. I wish. So, you know, 60-something-year-old and Bobby might be like, you son of a bitch, you had to wait this long. <laughs> yeah. But um, and we'll cast Millie Bobby Brown oh, as... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, probably. As Lori. Very likely. And Timothy Chalamet <laughs> as... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. no. Yeah. It would be... Uh, 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 uh. But yeah, and then I guess we there's one more, yes. a little bit, yeah. two more postscripts. We we get we get Eigerman finding Ashbury and begging Ashbury to take him with him to hunt down the breed, and Ashbury is just like fuck you, bitch, and kills mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and some real nice black goo coming out of uh, Charles Hayde's mouth <laughs> in that that shot. And Ashbury is now going to go trailing after the breed to destroy them because he wants to be vengeful against the real spirituality, the real magic that he touched. Because even though he was semi-sympathetic, it was for the wrong reasons. So Ashbury is now a villain. Yeah. And we end, I believe, with the kind of beautiful coda, uh, which is taken directly from the novella of the sort of storytelling meter of the way that Kinski and Babette and Rachel sort of re- just kind of tell the legend of Boone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we'll wait for him and his coming. He's going to rebuild Baphomet and like find us a new Haven. His name is Cabal. He is the redeemer, you know, like it, it, it feels like, okay, we are now starting the cycle. We're now going into Exodus. Yeah. You know, we're going like the Jews leaving Canaan. We are now going into Exodus and we have to wander the earth waiting for our savior to come for us, which, you know, is a huge part of Jewish tradition. It's why a lot of Jewish people are anti-Zionism. We, we don't believe that the Jewish people should have a state, that Israel should be a state because it is antithetical to the teachings so since there's no savior, they're 
can't be Israel. That's like in the book, you guys. But we're also anti-Zionists because, Jesus Christ, please stop bombing yeah. civilians. Um, but sorry about that. I just had to go riding my horse down no, that No, absolutely. Road. Like the parallel is is very clear here. I, I think it's unmistakable. I think that Barker was really showing an understanding for, if at times, you know, a fetishization of or even some appropriative you know stuff but like the storytelling at its soul is this is a rebellion against colonialism against the system against you know small-minded small-town white men with rifles yes (laughs) it's kind of a little like queer rebellion movie that says hey you know how there's monsters and usually in movies there's a bunch of assholes that want to go kill them, but the assholes are the good guys? Well, what if they're actually assholes? I mean, yeah. it's a theme you see a lot, but it's never so clear as it is in this film. It is as blatant as you can get. Yeah. But yeah. I don't I mean, mind yes, that. You, you'll get the... I don't mind that at all. And we've gotten it. That's a, a more recent spin on whether it's a vampire story or a, a werewolf story where it's the sympathetic creatures that are living and hiding that's a really modern like i don't know of any examples of that in literature or film prior to i want to say that the first outliers i can think of are from the early 1970s and then it started to become a little bit more of a thing in the 80s because of anne rice Mm -hmm. or at least that renewed excitement over vampire fiction got more vampire stories bought. And so we did start to see the kind of like, we're actually really chill vampires (laughs) aren't monstrous. Like in your stories, you know, more and more, but there's almost always that threat, that sort of edge of danger to them. So Nightbreed was kind of an outlier. I mean, it was, it was definitely one of the first sort of full on cheer for the monsters movies that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I'll say as we get to the end of this film is I really wish we had seen the monster version of Laurie. Oh, I really wanted to see that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. That would have been yeah, so that cool. Been cool. If I remember correctly, on the um, there's a special edition Blu-ray, and I think there's some interviews with Ann Bobby, who basically says the same thing. Like, come on, Clive, how come? Yeah, Yeah, that would have been cool at the end if they were in their, you know, monster forms. How cute would that be? Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Crazy stuff. If only there had been a sequel. Yeah. Or just a sequel for the novella, pretty much. Like, written sequel. Barker's one of those creatives who keeps threatening to revisit things to the point where it's like, yeah, bro, I'm not holding my breath anymore. Yeah. With Nightbreed, part of that I know was a rights issue. There was a producer that was hanging on to the rights and it was Barker couldn't do anything with it. So he didn't, you know, for obvious reasons. And then he has the rights again, but he might've sold them again. And at one point there was talk about a TV series, like a limited series which I think would be the way to do it. Yeah. Especially in our modern, in our current sort of media style, you know, where we are currently 
with how people consume media. I think that a Nightbreed series for like HBO yeah, or Hulu or say, you know, yeah. whoever, Amazon, like, fuck it. That sounds like an Amazon thing, you know, mm-hmm. like let's, let's spend a hundred million dollars to make, you know, this small scale epic monster story. I, I think you could really tell a good story with time, but it is that sort of tricky, you know, well, how do you do because Barker tends to write these sparse little sentences that leave you with an idea of the big picture, but do not fill in all the spaces. How do you translate that into cinema? Mm-hmm. You have to come up with some of that stuff yourself. Like what I was saying about the berserkers earlier, you have to kind of fill in some of that yourself. And it's with TV that's kind of tricky because you need to fill that time with with stuff. Yeah. Well, this is the part where we do our review. We don't yeah. have a song for it or anything. I just... Uh... I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not uh, our review, our rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we just did the review. He's kind of summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was... I don't know. That's fine. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to get into yours, Miguel? Since yeah, you sound I mean, like you're ready quick. to. Yeah, to I mean rating. it's a good movie to watch one time. Yeah, it's a uh, pretty good. And to remind Oz, because it's been a while, we do our ratings blank out of ten, uh, and then you just Whatever, take something yeah. from the film. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I recollect. <laughs> yeah. I still listen to your guys' stuff. Yeah. Aww. Oz. I'll give it. Uh, nah it's yeah it is yeah that was the number i came up with as soon as i finished watching it i'll give it a six out of ten sexy cute porcupine ladies (laughs) six out of ten is fine wow wow wow, wow. can i get it It might be oh oh, sorry sorry. no i just got excited please continue (laughs) yeah are you 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 seen the theatrical version which one do you prefer like the theatrical extended? (laughs) you know it's it's hard for me to say because some of the changes are really big. Yeah. Mm. Like Chunks. in the theatrical release, Eigerman, the last we see of him is I'll kill you all dry firing his gun. That's the last we see of him in the theatrical release. Narcissi isn't killed. So he's actually like there to be like, don't worry, Boone, I'll help you in the next story. Mm-hmm basically, to tell Boone and Laurie that he'll find them. Laurie does not kill herself. None of that sort of Laurie becomes one of the breed happens. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, we see Ashbury, and he's still doing his little, you know, they burned me. Their God burned me, and I want to burn him back. Kind of crazy talk. But he is saying this to Deckard's corpse. And then he plunges some of the the weird glowing Baphomet blood into Deckard's chest wound. Hmm. And Deckard, with the mask on, begins to scream as Ashbury chants hallelujah as the, the camera pans back. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of changes. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a very different ending. Also, a lot of the other stuff, like in the beginning, it goes straight from the dream sequence to Boone waking up and having his conversation with Laurie. But I think we get the slasher of the fun family, like is placed differently. Mm. 
And I, I know that there is less of Cheryl Ann, which, yeah. <laughs> how dare, how, how dare. dare you? As I mentioned, uh, Lylesburg and Rachel's voices were both different for whatever reason. And there was a lot less of the early Boone and Laurie, like, we don't really see nearly as much of, of her apartment. We do not see him at his workplace. We sadly do not get to see Ann Bobby singing Johnny Be Angry in the theatrical version. <laughs> and so he just sort of goes straight from seeing Deckard to stumbling down the streets and getting hit by the truck oh, and going to the hospital. It's, it's, it's much faster, uh, that yeah. part. So he never has like the visions of her and him on the bed, which incidentally, the reason why that music is sort of like jaunty, fun, weird carnival music is because it's the same musical score, the, the cue that Elfman wrote for the sequence where she is exploring the necropolis, where she's going down into the caverns and seeing all the, the whimsical and weird nightbreed. They couldn't get Elfman to do more score for the, the special Cabal Cut edition. So they just recycled that music. So in a bunch yeah. of the scenes, there's the same music cues because they couldn't afford, I'm assuming, to get him to just come up with some new shit. And that was the extant music. Or maybe they couldn't afford to record anything. I don't know. Crazy. But so, yeah, I was honestly in a way kind of disappointed because as like a Star Wars nerd who had action figures for all of the creatures from the cantina that I could find, <laughs> like I would have hoped that the special edition would have been lots of cool monster stuff, you know, yeah. more of the Nightbreed. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was more of, of Boone and Laurie and Cheryl Ann and Laurie. And while I understand why that stuff was cut, to make it a more compact, faster moving, more action movie. I actually really like all of the stuff that gives us more of Lori because I think that she's a really, she's a much more interesting character than Boone. Boone just reacts to things like happening to him. You know, he just kind of is there. Whereas Lori is seeking. Lori is trying to find. Lori has clear goals. Boone just kind of hangs around. You know what I mean? And so I'm really glad that that stuff was put back in. And I am sad that there isn't more of the Nightbreed, that we don't get to see more little family vignettes, more little moments, you know, of, of weird comedy between. And actually, that's some of the stuff that was cut from the director's cut is some of the bits between the little satyr looking dude with the, the goat horns and uh, Leroy Gum, the big pale guy with the things living in his stomach. Like, they had more stuff in the theatrical version, mm, which is kind of weird. I can weird. see that, yeah. Like, little bits, you know, they were like the comic relief monsters. And, yeah, so I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird movie. Well, if I can uh, launch into my review, because it sort of touches on with my thoughts on it. I think it had a great start, particularly with the world building, but it did lose Stratton and me. For our listeners who don't know, Stratton is our editor and my husband, incidentally. And I don't know, we, we both got a little lost during the last third. It just, um, it didn't capture us as much then. And it's just because the more detail that the film gives you, there's more questions being asked. And the film doesn't either 
answer those questions or it doesn't give satisfying answers. And I also think that you don't always have to get everything answered. I just think that the questions I wanted to have answered weren't answered. Conceptually, though, I still loved it. I just wanted a little bit more where it was lacking. But with that said, I would watch this again and probably again. So I would give this 6 out of 10 horny horned monster women. I had the same theme as you, Miguel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think across the board, we're all going to have about the same rating because I am going to give it a 6 out of a 10 yeah. as well. 666. Yeah. No, that fits. Metal, dude. <laughs> you know, it's a departure from traditional horror. It's very unique. Oh, yeah, I did love that. This was maybe the first fantasy horror I've ever seen, maybe. Yeah. And I it's, don't know. You could tell it could be part of an epic type of, like we were talking. Mm, yes. Abs- there's so much lush detail. Yeah. It could be. There's... I, I, I want more yeah, of it. It, it definitely please. suffered from not being able to be complete like it needs to be. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely watch it. And yeah, I wouldn't mind watching it again, honestly. It's a good movie. It's probably a lot more we could pick up too on a second or a third viewing as well. So yeah, yeah. six out of 10, smoking Rachel's. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be one of the side movies, smoking Rachel's, a Nightbreed tale. Um, I'm gonna rate it slightly higher than you guys, but you know, this is one that I've carried with me in my heart since I was a, a kid lit. Absolutely. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten Johnny B. Angries. Nice. As sung by Ann Bobby. I think that it is an incredibly imaginative movie. I don't think it, it lands on, you know, all of its legs, however many of those might be. <laughs> But I think that the, that it tries makes me love it, and the way that the way that it veers into just sort of being an action movie in the last third, yeah, it is. It is a little bit much after the sort of it's a slasher film, it's a monster movie, it's a it's gay cinema, it's you know, it's it's so much. It's a gothic romance, and. Uh, it's a movie about religion and faith and needing to know your deity or not, you know, or just following the law. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a, there's a lot in there and I think it's too much probably for a movie. Yeah. And that, I guess that's that's why I don't give it a higher score. Yeah. Yeah. But God, I love it. That's part of what makes it so interesting, but it's also at its detriment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But like, like you said, you want more. 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 And if you want more, I can at this point uh, point you to. There is a book called Tales from Midian or After Midian Tales of the Nightbreed. That is a bunch of different authors all doing short stories about the Nightbreed. Some of them are their own characters. Some of them are characters from the movie. But that's a lot of fun. There was a comic series put out by Epic Comics in the 90s. That was pretty good, honestly. There was a four-issue adaptation of the movie and then an ongoing series with reoccurring specials here and there. They also did some weird shit like Nightbreed versus Rawhead Rex, another Clive Barker short story turned into a really not good movie. 
and uh, Nightbreed versus Hellraiser, which I think was a mistake, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> and um, the comic was pretty good. They had some really good writers and artists that got really creative with the uh, with the breed. And I think there has been at least one revival of the comic since then, but I could be wrong. And uh, yeah, the novella itself, Cabal by Clive Barker. If you enjoyed the movie at all, it's a lot of fun to read. There's a lot more sexy to it because Clive never met a strange orifice he couldn't try to explore <laughs> strangely. Um, and that's, you know, that is part of why Barker, I think, is such an important writer because mm. he just kind of went for it during this period of incredible purience and oppression of queer community and of queer celebration. And there he was living through it, making his loud, angry art. And I just respect that immensely. Yeah. And I, I do think that it's a fun movie. I think it's a mess. I think that Craig Sheffer is essentially an inert lead. And I can't believe he was kind of a movie star for about five minutes. I think Ann Bobby is phenomenal as Laurie. I think that uh, Hugh Corshi is having so much fun as Narcissi, it should probably be illegal. <laughs> I think that Doug Bradley brings a gravitas to Lylesburg mm. that I can respect. I think that uh, Oliver, shit, can't remember his name, who plays Peliquin is fantastic. Though that's not his voice. That was a different actor who dubbed his lines because Oliver does not have a very foreboding voice. Mm. But his physical performance is great. I think Cheryl Ann, you know, justice for Cheryl Ann. I mean, it's just a, it's a fun movie. It's a fun ride. It doesn't feel like a chore to sit through it. And watching it this morning is probably the, like, high teens time I've seen it, like 18 or 19 times probably. Because when the movie first came out on VHS, I bought that VHS. Like, I still have it in a box somewhere, which, of course, would be the theatrical release. So I'm kind of glad I still have it because that's kind of cool. It's just not available anywhere, it seems. That's so cool. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's like I, I'm, I will never defend it as great art, but I do think it's a really interesting film of yeah. its time and of its author. And thank you guys for inviting me on your show, taking the time out of your lives to watch this movie that your weird online pal <laughs> recommended. Of course. And uh, for giving me an excuse to do so. Oh, man. It was our pleasure. And, like, we will have you on again and again. You're just always a pleasure to talk to. You always have so much yeah. insight. Mm -hmm. And you're just fun. You're just fun. <laughs> oh. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate it. I have a lot of fun with you. Yeah. I have a lot just of a fun, fun with time. you. Yeah. Just a good yeah. old time. All right, Lindsay, if uh, you want to close this out, then we can uh, move on to our next movie, I guess. Sure. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us and our wonderful guest, Oz. We were celebrating Halloween month with so many guests lined up. And our next one is actually another returning guest, Mike Mitchell, who will be watching and discussing 
The Thing from 1982. So come back for that. Crazy stuff. The Thing. The Thing. All right. The Thing. The Thing. As always, you can join our Facebook group at Stories to Dismember. Shoot us an email at stories to dismember at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or a text at 817-405-4196. And we had fun hanging out with you guys. I hope you had fun hanging out with us and learned a lot. I'm sure you did. And um, love you guys. And, we'll- and you can check out... <laughs> I was going to say you can check out our TikTok too, although it's it's hasn't been updated a whole lot. <laughs> it definitely will with uh, Oz's episode. We're going to release some more tiktoks there you go with oz's spooky Yay. soda tiktoks i i love your tiktoks they're so That's much fun i wish i wish i could do time. them more frequently yeah those are awesome tiktoks everybody Life caught up them. with yeah. me all righty i guess we'll be out till next episode yeah. peace. peace all right stratton play the music thank you for listening to the stories to this member podcast Please be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, and leave a rating. You can contact us at storiestodismember at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on TikTok at storiestodismember. The music for Stories to Dismember is provided by Winfeather, and episodes are edited by Stratton Meyer. We can't wait to hang out with you next time. Bye-bye.